All right, welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And we have returning special guest with us today, Anthony Simpson. We are going to be talking oh, about Stranger Things. today, because, as Fraser said, Stranger Things. But it's not just us talking about Stranger Things. We have with us a behind-the-scenes expert, a man whose name is in the credits of Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 7. Oh, cool. When's Your he friend. Show up? <laughs> Anthony Simpson. <laughs> All right. But yeah, this is episode 75, actually. I think this is another milestone for the podcast, too. Uh, 75 episodes in. And yeah, Stranger Things, season four. We're going to be talking about it. I guess we can also mention the other seasons, but this season was so good. that, yeah. uh, And it just came out over the weekend, this Memorial Day weekend. So I spent a lot of the time binge watching it because it's nine hours in total. It's very, very long. A lot of the episodes are well over an hour long. and there's a lot of content to absorb, but I do think that this season overall was amazing. Uh, it gave me the same feeling I got when I was watching season one. I really didn't care for seasons two and three, if I'm being honest. That's me personally. I saw a lot uh, of the same sentiment. I'm with you. I I became a, by season three, I kind of became a stranger, stranger things hater. Me too. Like, cause everybody kept talking about like how great it is. And like season two, I was like, it was season one. I love like nine out of 10. Same. Season two, I was like, it was a show. Like it was cool. It was maybe five, six out of ten, whatever. Season yeah. three, I kind of felt the same thing. Like there's, I was like, whatever. It's like it's a show. It's not bad, but it's, yeah. it's kind of a show. It's not. It's not what season one was to me. Yeah. And I kind of became a bit of a hater of it. But then I, I think this season is by far the best season since season one. It's yes. very good. hundred percent. The only one that likes season two. Maybe because I like Sean this, Aston, I don't know. In but. this call, you're the only one that likes season two. I like, now, I, I don't like hate season two. two. I just I don't think it's bad. I just think it's not even close to season one. I mean, like, I agree. It's, it's not as it's good cool. as season one. It's not as good as season one. But I thought it was. I enjoyed. It, it kind of gives me Promise Neverland season one being amazing, and then season two. Yeah, being yeah. I just don't like, know. I haven't seen Promise Neverland season two, but I heard that it was two terrible. Was, season two. I heard was. like it was like Ooh. everyone forgot about it bad. I mean, I didn't yeah. even finish it. That's how bad it was. So, was and honestly, I could have gone without Stranger Things season two altogether. And I'll get, I'll say, I'll say why I didn't really like seasons two and three. So, season one, it had uh, a lot of Eleven in it. You know, she had all her powers and it had a focus on her and her backstory and stuff like that. Right. But season two, when she took on that role of being bitching and like this rebel uh, punk rock style meeting this other orphan uh that has powers what eight i think it was number eight yeah uh that whole thing and then that the the main evil like so they move past the demogorgon and they have like the the demo dogs or whatever you want to call them it it just started yeah. to seem like things were happening with a repeat effect where oh season one you have the demogorgon then season two you have these demodog things then season three you have this big demon wait 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 because season two's main villain was the mind flayer not the demo the demo dogs are just kind of like there Uh uh-huh and i thought the mind flayer was an interesting interpretation of what the mind flayers are for anyone that's you know that but that's not prob- a huge D and D nerd like I am. But the, the problem I'm- with it is, it just comes out of nowhere. The villains for two and three, they just seem like they were doing this thing where every season the kids are going to have this random thing from the upside down appear. It's going to attack their their town, and then they're going to beat it with eleven, and then rinse and repeat. And so season two and three just followed that exact same formula, and it kind of got really boring because the villains don't have 
much behind them up until season four. Season four, the reason why I think season four is such a huge success and already heralded is probably the best season of the show ever is because Vecna is literally a real person. Like Vecna has a real backstory that is tangible and that you can feel he has motivations for why he does what he does. And he he's not just like a random villain that comes from the upside down. That's just why is he killing kids? Like, why is this happening? Well, they explain exactly why he's doing everything that he's doing. Okay, I, I will agree with you for season three because I don't like season three. Season three for me was like, I was like, this needs to end. Uh, but <laughs> I enjoyed season two, and I don't think I think I think that season three had a terrible ripple effect on season two. I do. So I, that is. That is partially true for me. I will. So when season two came out, I was like, it was cool. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like I liked season one. I was like, season two was cool, whatever. But when season three came out, it like, it definitely rippled back where I went and looked at season two again. I was like, this shit is just not like yeah, looking at two like, and three together. I was like, this shit is just not good. Like what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. Like see, season three really almost like ruined it. You know how like the Legend of Zelda came out and then Link's Adventures came out and almost ruined it for it the almost whole killed thing? Zelda. It almost <laughs> like, killed Zelda right there. It was almost it's almost like that because like yeah because I thought I thought that the Mind Flayer was a really cool uh like expansion and intrigue into like what this world is and I was like okay they're like expanding into like what I guess the stranger things are and like yeah yeah if, if the if the mind flayer is like the big bad right and the whole reason why like the demogorgon in the first place showed up then like i want to know more in season three and yeah. then in season three they just rehashed the same plot and they were like here's yeah. the mind flayer again but like in flesh form which yeah, actually they did they did that's actually also based on another DD monster um i forgot what the name of it is but it's like a goo monster that basically it kills you and it can use a part of itself to basically like remake you it like yeah, reanimate it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I love the makes D&D a, a and the 80s. The 80s references in the shows and everything is really good. And uh, just on the note of Vecna, something else I really like, obviously, way too late now, but, you know, spoilers, you assholes. Yes. Um. So, and we're going to jump around. We'll probably do some ordinary, but I'm also just going to jump because Fraser's talking on Vecna. Something I fucking love about the final episode of this, well, the final bro, episode of this part is that the, like, the full reveal of Vecna recontextualizes the whole show because now you understand why from season one the demogordon was trying to kill El- like it recontextualizes why yeah, all these yeah. things from the upside down are attacking 11 because they're being literally sent or controlled or commanded by vecna and his reasonings are revealed and explained in the final episode of this season and just it puts all the other seasons into a new context. It also really fucking cool. It also clears Eleven's name for killing everybody in that facility yeah. in the lab. <laughs> because for a long time, I mean, everyone just assumed, right, that she went on a tear and killed yeah. everybody bitch, but it wasn't her at all, actually. And well, I like that this season I, well, I really like that this season does this thing where they have Vecna and his his other name is one, right? And you have eleven, double one. She she's the hero per se, and then he's the villain, but it's not as cut and dry as that because earlier in the season you see when she doesn't have her powers anymore. It's kind of how it starts off, and it's kind of how season three ended, where Elle lost her ability to use any of her powers. So she's just trying to live a normal life now. Hopper's gone. They think they assume he's dead. And the high school students are bullying her. She gets into a point where this fucking annoying ass character named Angela, she's one of the most hated characters in all of TV and all of cinema. 
uh, kind of like what the one professor in Harry Potter is just like everyone hates everyone hates this character a lot, but she ends up hitting her with a fucking skate like a rollerblade, and and it's 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 a moment where you're not exactly like yes you could be like okay I'm, that bitch got what was coming to her like Angela got what was coming to her, but it's also a moment where L doesn't feel good about it, and so you as a viewer start to kind of feel bad about it too because she hit the shit out that girl and there was like blood all over her face and yes to me i'm a person i choose violence you keep fucking with me and i hit you back or i just decide to choose violence and physically hit you it is what it is from where i come from but at the same time right at the same time though i get that that doesn't make l feel good and that's the difference between her and and one where like you know he uses violence as like his primary way to deal with what he considers to be a problem which is all humans i don't know made me feel good i was like hit her again yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I will honestly, say- honestly, the girl was so so like Angela like bullies L and you know all that stuff, and I'm just like, all right, that's like I'm like this girl's uh, a bitch, but it was like, Carrie it was it was the moment that she was like, oh, you're gonna cry, you can't cry to the teacher again, and she's like, were well, you gonna cry to your dead dad? Oh wait, you can't do that either. When she yes. said that, I was like, you can't say that to people. You can't yeah, say not that you can't say that to people you, in any year. You might get killed like saying something yeah. like that to someone honestly. especially in 2022 <laughs> so honestly as i was watching this season and you know they give a disclaimer before the season even starts about how the children who recently passed away in the horrific terrorist attack they gave a disclaimer to saying that this season was filmed you know over a year before that actually happened because this season's focused around one thing that's really controversial which is like you know bullying like cyberbullying and just bullying in general um, and then how kids can react to that with acts of violence. So Elle reacts to bullying with an act of violence. Now, granted, she doesn't go on a killing spree, but she did try to use her powers on Angela at one point. We don't know the severity of what she was going to do. Maybe she was just going to make the girl pee on herself like she did before with a bully. Or maybe she was going to go straight up fucking one and cripple the girl and make her eyes <clears throat> pop into the back of her head. Like, we don't know what we don't know in that moment. As angry as she was, what, we don't know what was going to happen when she put her hand out. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. I was going to say it's funny on one end though. It's, it's funny by it's funny. I mean, it's fucking sad. And that I saw the disclaimer at the start of the season and I was like, Oh, that's nice. But then at the same time, I was like, well, there's a shooting every week, unfortunately. In America. There is like that disclaimer yeah. is just like, it doesn't matter when, like you filmed it a year ago. I guarantee there was a shooting a year ago around that time. And it will be next year. Somebody watches it next year. It will be relevant. Yeah. I think, I think Prior to the one that, you know, has everybody talking about it, what there have been 23 other school shootings just this year. Yeah, just this year. Just this year. So, unfortunately, like that disclaimer is like, it it should just be for all school shootings, not just the one in Texas. Yeah. I guess that they were trying to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, this particular shooting was kids. Yeah, Yeah. they're in school and some children. Because, you know, we had the one. Uh, also, it was sad to say it was like in a supermarket, and it was a bunch of old people. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and that that really sucked too. It's just like, but this show because it focuses around children in school, and you see how bullying. I was reading comments on YouTube videos and comments in general about the Stranger Things season four, and they were saying, "Why do bullies and shows have to be so exaggerated?" And I'm like, "Hold up, I went to school, like I was a kid once, and bullies were really fucking horrible in general when I was in school." So I. When Angela was just being herself, like just being an asshole the whole time, I've seen kids be like that in actual my days in school. Like that's not. So I was going to say, that's one of the points I want to say is that I agree. I, I'm like in the middle of there. So when I, something that did bother me, like one of the few like negatives I have was that I felt like 
it not just and like it, it makes sense like you'll have like a bully right but the way the entire school yes. just fucking hated her, I was like, this part, doesn't make any sense. Like that it, part it's is a bit so much. ridiculous that the entire school treats her like a pariah, and there's like no established reason. Like in real life, that can happen, but it happens as a result of like you getting caught jerking off in public. Like, like it happens as a result of you becoming not, a pariah. Not, like, not always, just, like, though. Sometimes I've even seen this in the Yu-Gi-Oh community where certain people are ostracized uh, just for being different or being whatever they are. Right. And they get teased to an extent that's just not okay. And a lot of us have taken part in that type of thing. And it's really fucked up because if, if, if something were to happen, like an act of violence were to happen, you know, none of us, all of us would be having the same sentiment like oh i didn't know that he was going to freak out like that and react to it like that we were just joking you know that type of thing but you just never know especially nowadays how people are going to react to uh intense levels of bullying that uh, she honestly, deserved that skate to the face though don't like, get me she, wrong again she deserved that shit. i don't i don't disagree with the skate to the face but you know that it can go further than that especially yeah, yeah, with yeah, the accessibility yeah. of weapons now like stranger things you know guns are not a big part of the show even though they did spend a good amount of it trying to find them <laughs> in the season yeah. But Dude, that's not a big part of it. I also thought it was funny though how like after she got a skate to the face, everyone's like, "Oh my god, how? What? Ha- why?" And I'm like, "Y'all know why? Yeah, that, that's the thing. See, that's what I'm talking I about. I would have been the person in the back that was like, "Bitch had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch had it coming. Or just, or yeah. just actually was crying just in my head, in my head, like seeing that scene over and over again. Uh, every time she cries. I like in the back of my head. I just imagined someone in the back being like, "Shut the fuck up!" Yeah, I, <laughs> I really do like when bullies get their cup upins. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I just the part that kind of hurt was that L was hurt by it, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And that that made me a little sad because she didn't feel good about it and she was crying. Also, shout out to Millie Bobby Brown. Her acting and Sadie Sink's acting in this season were both phenomenal. Elle cried in damn near every scene she was in this entire season, and she did such a fantastic job of conveying emotion. And I love the way Elle speaks. I love the way she was presenting her little project about Hopper and like her dad being a hero. Uh, I love how nervous she is getting in front of a class because all kids have problems with public speaking in general. It just I, I related a lot to Elle's character this season and just feeling like a bit of an outcast because you know I was a nerd when I was younger. Like Even the guys, when they're talking about playing D&D and how they're essentially ostracized for it. Like you have Lucas pretending that he's not into that. Excuse me. Lucas pretending that he's not really into something that he loves. Like that would be like me pretending like I'm not into Yu-Gi-Oh because it's not considered cool. And it wasn't when I was in school. Um, I I relate to like a lot of the things that they showed in this season, especially as you get older. There are just so many instances of a relatability to being a kid and what it felt like the bullying, uh, being different, being in certain nerd clubs and, you know, like things that people who are into just regular, I don't know, whatever regular quote, I'm using the quotations here, but whatever regular yeah, yeah. teenagers are into. It was, uh, it was, it did a good job. I really like Eddie. How he was the one who's like, he fully embraces being a nerd and he's yes. like, I'm fucking weird. And you guys got to deal with it. I love that. Um, also, yeah. can I just say this? When they first introduced Eddie, there isn't a cafeteria and he's a wild one. He has really long hair. It looks like he's definitely a, a fan of Metallica and things like that. It's the eighties, but everyone in that fucking cafeteria was no younger than 28 years old. (laughs) Those high school students were old as shit. In fact, Eddie's actor is almost 30. And I'm sorry. I don't know if it's because 
I guess the glamour of Hollywood is just lo- like I, it doesn't work on me. I can see his age. I can yeah, see yeah. actually. I can actually see the age of pretty much everyone in the show. So like a lot of these kids, and this is one of the problems I actually have. This is one of the few problems I have with the season. And it's just nitpicky because of COVID extending the season by an extra year. So like everyone aged further than they actually expected on the onset of when they first started filming season one. Everyone's much older now. They're they're way older than L said that I think less than a year has passed in season three, but. The growth spurt that every kid has had is so extreme that they all just look way younger. You could tell that they're all pretty much like adult age. And then the people around them are much, much older, like Henry and the girls, like Robin and all. You could just tell they're not even slightly teenagers, especially it's Eddie. Eddie I, looks way too old to it's me. It's what I call the One Tree Hill effect. Uh, is that a thing in, in One Tree Hill? Back in the days of One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek and shit like that, all of those actors that, that were that were playing they were old. characters uh, that were in high school were like twenty eight, and like yeah, yeah. you like you knew it, you knew that. And like, oh, you know no what though? I'm not mad school. at it. Like I said, it's a nitpicky thing because if you remember Grease, the movie Grease, one of the most yeah, famous yeah. movies ever, every one of that movie's old as shit. Like look, look at John Travolta. Look at all his friends and and their little gang and group. They're old as fuck. Like no one in that movie is a teenager. No one in that movie is actually a high school student's age. But they, you know, it's kind of those things where you just accept it for what it is. So as I was watching Stranger Things, I was like, this kind of works in their favor in a comedic kind of way because old 80s movies had full adult playing teenagers. So it kind of worked in that weird way but i couldn't help but then i'm like eddie is not they did say he got left back though they said he got left back a couple they times he does look old but he makes it clear like he says something like this is the like, year this, this is my year he's yeah he's <laughs> been like a senior the last, the last he's been a senior for like three years or four yeah like he's been in high school twice yes. Yeah, so he's so older, but he is older. He is actually older. So I do like that. Even though in real life, do they kick you out of high school if you get to a certain age? I, I feel think, like they, I feel I'm like, not I 100% sure. I think, sure have to I think you do get kicked out. Like if you don't graduate by the time you're 20, I think you get kicked yeah, out. Yeah, because I feel like it'll start to get weird when you become, let's say, if you got left back three times. Most people graduate at 18. So if you got left back three times, you can become 21. And high school will be wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. But anyway, yeah, Eddie's a great character. I didn't like him at first, of course. Uh, I just naturally thought he was a bit over the top, a bit too cartoony. Yeah, I like he stands up on top of the t- I was well, in. he's I was you in. and him are very similar, so I'm not yeah, surprised about I that. Was I, in. I saw you in him when he got on top of the table and was just being ridiculous. <laughs> but as the season goes on, I really enjoyed him as a person and just like his antics and also that he's unapologetically a nerd. And I, yeah. obviously that resonates with me. Like the fact that they love their DD, even when they asked him to move the game night one night, he was not for that shit at all. It's like, absolutely <laughs> now, not. Okay. Now my first impression of Eddie, especially because like their, their first actual interaction with him was, was asking him to move the game night. Yeah. <laughs> As someone that plays D and D pretty heavily, my yeah, you first guys thought, actually my play. First, yeah, we my play a lot. Thought, my first thought was, "This is a very toxic D and D girl." <laughs> <laughs> so it's not actually like, like, like that. Is, I was no, like, no, this, this is very toxic. Like that, I was like, "This is a very toxic D and D environment." Because, like, if someone has to cancel or something because of something, you know, if you're like, "I'm, I'm not going to move the game, never ever," like, you know, I, I yeah. It's it's easy it's easy when it comes to D and D because it's it's a group of 
different people with different opinions. Usually they're not all like friends, but they play together. Like they, right. they're all friendly with each other. It's it's really easy for like a, a like a group of D players to all kind of turn inward and become really toxic. So like I think there's just kind of like an unspoken rule that everyone tries to be very like a- a- amicable and like very uh like accommodating just what, in general. What I think is interesting though, because I agree with you, especially in the modern era. But I think given the time frame of it being the 80s and from the stories I've heard, obviously, I was yeah. alive in then the people that played D&D took it even more seriously. So it was like, no, this is D&D night. I don't give a fuck that you're playing basketball. Fuck basketball. Right, you know what right. I mean? And yeah. like the environment at that time frame was a bit different. Yeah, because the internet doesn't exist. So there's not many different things that you can do with your time in the 80s as far as entertainment goes. I imagine D&D was a really, really big deal. Like a lot of people who I know who play it now are kind of leisure with it. You know, you guys do have a schedule. But like you said, that schedule can easily move in 2022 and it's not a big deal. But in the 80s, that wasn't the case. I also like that they show how it was perceived by the media and the news in the 80s as being some kind of satanic, demonic demonic thing. Yeah, and it reminded me of when I was younger playing Yu-Gi-Oh. I remember someone from my mom's church or my grandma's church said, "Oh, I don't. I, you shouldn't be letting that boy play with those cars. That's witchcraft." Yep. The same and thing with Harry Potter. That was not, also demonic. Same like, thing yeah. with Pokemon. Same thing with yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. I, I will. Ne- I've told this story multiple times on the podcast, but I'll just never forget. I had a friend who had the front stickers of his cartridges peeled off, and I asked him, "Hey, why'd you do that to your cartridges?" And he was like, "Because." I think he said he's, if I remember Jehovah Witness, and he was like, I'm not, a, because Pokemon is evolution, I'm not allowed to play Pokemon. Oh, I was yeah. Like, Which is why I will never peeled this fucking sticker off my red and blue. You got me yeah. fucked up. <laughs> but something, something that Eddie does say that I really, really love, and for people that don't play D&D, this is 100% true. After Erica rolled that D20, and she got a nat fucking 20, and they beat they beat Vecna, they beat the campaign. And Eddie was like, that is why we play. And I was like, that is why we play for those moments. It like, seemed like they got genuine like, D people in, in on their writing for that, that whole yeah. aspect of the show. Because that did seem genuine. And I, I've never played D myself, but I've attended many games for no reason at all, other than I wanted to hang out with my best friend longer. And I think I did bring this up on the podcast, but I used to go with him. To like the Amtrak station that would stay open all night, and he would meet up with a group of people at the station, and they would just play from midnight until the sun came up. So around seven a.m., eight a.m., they would play D and D, and I would just be there, listening to the story, falling asleep, uh, playing with my Yu Gi Oh cards, just doing stuff while they played D and D all night. But when somebody rolled the twenty, if I was dozing off, that shit would wake me up. <laughs> and like, you that's know, how it, it, it always like it always just comes to happen at a time when you need it too. Yes. Like I'll never forget. So the first campaign that we ever played in, it was me, Kenny, and our friend Frost, right? Um, we were fighting these pirates on a boat and it was bleak. <laughs> like that shit, it was like dire situation. We were all like really low on HP, we we're about to die. And like Kenny's character was on a plank fighting the boss of the pirates, like toe to toe and like they were going it's a kenny character so he ran ahead of everybody else throwing caution to the wind and it was it was (laughs) like hit to hit he's dealing with the boss me and me and our friend frost's characters are dealing with like the pirates and like they're going toe to toe hit to hit and it was like it was tense and kenny rolled a 20 and we were all like 
oh shit we were like that's that's what we needed now the dm screwed us but in a different universe like that was a moment that you'll like never forget it was a it was definitely a moment that soured me because we i rolled a nat 20 and we everybody got excited like yes because things weren't going our way and that was like what we needed to turn it around and then the dm was just like they even show against vecna they they start off rolling and the rolls aren't good yeah and so I was not good at first. I remember I rolled a, a nat 20 and DM was like, well, he has an ability where he can dodge. I was like, oh my God. And we were like, no fucking way. <laughs> I was like, what, what just happened? But, but in anyway. a different universe, we won that yeah. fight. <laughs> yeah. um, side note. So around the same, uh, for in terms of new characters, a character that I don't necessarily hate, but it's one of those things where I do hate the writing around them is the basketball star. The oh my God. On the, basketball the, team. the one white okay. kid who's definitely like 28. First I of hate, all, he's not a basketball captain. He is definitely a preacher. He is definitely I, dude, a pastor, man. I now I don't know if there's other high schools that allow, but I've never seen, and this happens a lot in like high school shows. Yes, my man, job. he gives like a whole presentation in front of the school. I'm like, what is happening? Like, this doesn't happen. Like, yeah. why is this guy talking for this long? And then at the end of the show, when he just like walks into the fucking police meeting and takes over the police meeting yeah, just and talks to everybody, I was like, this doesn't happen. Like somebody's gotta <laughs> shut his ass. How? These How shows always idiot? have the quintessential jock who's way over the top, way too machismo, way too like hyper masculinity. Everything has to be dealt with with violence. They always want to beat somebody up to solve their problem. Like they always want to jump somebody or find the fucking bat. Like, why is it always a bat with these guys? Like every single time they find, oh, this guy may have done something. They want to get a bat immediately. It's like the first thing they resort to. I hate well, those characters. It's not as bad if you bludgeon them. You know, it's not. It's not <laughs> Jesus. Bad. Bludgeon is a fucked word. <laughs> that word sounds so bad. Bludgeon. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, there's a there's something I want to talk about during the season. So L. L's storyline is actually extremely sad this season. Yeah. Uh, right from the beginning, right? So she's lost her powers, but she's also lost her father. She calls him dad. Like, Hopper's gone. She also has this memory of losing her mom as well, right? Like, in the lab that they show a couple times during the season. So now L has found a dad, and he's gone. She has no mom, no dad. Uh, her boyfriend doesn't even live close to her anymore. He has to come visit. And she's trying to, with the help of Will trying to assimilate into high school, and that's not going well at all. So much so, and this is the saddest thing to me, that she has resorted to lying to Mike when he does visit her. And something about that to me is so fucked up because you see how much it means to her for it to seem like she actually can make friends on her own and like get along well with kids and live a normal life because she knows that's what Mike will want for her. So she's trying to pretend as though that's how her life is going. And it's not going that way. Will knows it. He sees what she's doing. And he's like, yo, like Mike doesn't deserve this. Why are you lying about like these people are not your fucking friends? In fact, that exact opposite of your friends. And then they, the bullies take that chance and make it into a whole carry night. It was very reminiscent of the movie Carrie. If you've never seen it, basically this girl goes on prom. She's, she's a little bit of an outcast as well. She's teased and bullied a lot. And on her prom night, they dump pig's blood over her. She kills everybody with superpowers, just like Elle. She has telekinesis. So it's a very famous movie. Uh, back in the 80s and yeah it's 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 actually pretty good but it, this entire first two episodes reminded me of the movie carrie and i think they kind of drew from that because they even throw something on her that looks like shit and they pretty much pretty sure it was like, like a milkshake. milkshake yeah i think they throw but, a milkshake on her 
But I mean, this uh, this season they actually did a really good job with like the reference and kind of something like okay, the first season doesn't really do this because the first season has like some '80s references, but it's not like overbearing. I, by the yeah. third season, it was uh, insufferable. But um, <laughs> Dude, but something quick, before you say like I guess in terms of the third season and the and the unbearable references, I w- one of the things that like I was just like, all right, I'm zoning the fuck out. The goddamn Terminator stand-in. The guy, there's a fucking guy in the third season that's literally just the Terminator, and he just like walks everywhere he goes, and he just like, oh, the Russian guy, dude, yeah, 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 so yeah. overbearing. It's like, oh my god, like I don't care. This like, plot line makes no sense. It's so stupid. Yeah, why, it's just yeah. Go ahead. It's why I'm so glad that like this season they actually really they gave a lot of thought behind a lot of their references and a lot of the callbacks because like aside from Carrie, they reference some. They they reference like a bunch of a bunch Freddy of uh, horror movies. Yeah, there's like a point. Where I'm pretty sure like Dustin uh, references Pulp Fiction. Like they they really they did some like really meaningful callbacks. The most meaningful one is you know the the end of the episode that made everybody cry with uh with Kate Bush. Um, they Stranger Things has been famous for having like 80s popular 80s songs in it, and having running up that hill. By Kate Bush being the moment that it was, like yeah. I was like, this actually gave like such a deeper meaning to them having this song in the show. Yeah. So, hey, remember that song from the 80s? You know, yeah, because like, that's what it felt like before. Whereas this song had meaning to the actual context of what was happening in the show, as opposed to just saying, Hey, this is an 83 song and the show is taking place right now in 83. Yeah. So I get what you mean. I actually want to talk about some of the buildup to Dear Billy, episode four, where they do do the running up the hill thing. So the whole premise of the season is that episode one, there's this girl named Chrissy who has an eating disorder, and she's been cursed by Vecna, right? So that means that she has a couple days to live. She's being haunted. Every time she gets some alone time or her mind starts to wander, she experiences these really hellish visions of a grandfather clock and like a table of food with maggots all over it, all types of horrible shit, just being tortured. And then she snaps out of it. And then after about a week, you die from it. So at the end of the episode, her and Eddie are together. She's trying to buy some hard drugs from Eddie. Eddie's a provider, apparently. And as he's about to sell to her, she gets cursed by Vecna. She gets lifted into the air. And honestly, this shit took me by surprise. This is where I realized this season was going to be very dark. Because <laughs> I did, me by surprise. <laughs> I did not see this coming at all. Like, Stranger Things has had, season one, I believe the, uh, Winona Ryder's love interest, the cop guy, I forget his name, but he ends up getting killed. And that shocked me in, like, season one or two, whenever that happened. The, like, you see the Demogorgon or Demodog things, they, like, overwhelm him and just kill him. And that took me by surprise back then. Then that one girl dies in the pool and they kind of referenced yeah, that later yeah, on yeah. in the season. But I just wasn't ready for Chrissy's death at the end of episode one when she flew up into the air and like her eyes are rolling in the back of her head. And then you see Vecna start to put his claws into her face in the, in the other world and in the, in the upside down. And then in the real world, as Eddie's looking at it happen, her fucking bones start snapping and moving yeah. backwards and her jaw breaks and, and like, uh, it's just so and then her eyeballs they kind of like get pushed into the back of her head and then she just falls lifeless to the ground in front of them that shit was so over the top for me and whoever did the the effects on that are very well done because the sounds of it uh, the sound of the human body breaking like that and then just how merciless it was it's a child too you're watching an actual teenager be mutilated like the, the deaths are horrible for the children so Honestly, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad it was shocking for you, be, or you know, shocking for most people, probably. Because yes. I, 
had at this point I had been looking at dead kids dead kids for months. Um, you know, in having you know worked on the show, so when I saw Chrissy's like limbs get snapped, I was like, "Oh, that's the gag of the season." I was like, "Okay," I was like, "Everyone that dies is gonna die from getting snapped." Do you want to real quick give a, some background on how you like got into? Because I know when you first got this job, you didn't even realize you were working on shrink. <laughs> so- <laughs> Funny enough, okay, uh, so I'm a uh, visual effects artist uh, by profession. Um, specifically, I'm a compositor, which means I'm the guy that gets rid of the green screen, replaces it with the CG dinosaur, all that stuff. Um, so the very first shot that I worked on of this show, uh, usually, like, I, I, I've been doing it for, like, over a decade. So by this point, all every show is the same. Damn the you old. meanwhile i've been an accountant for over 10 years myself old old bitter artist um so (laughs) so like the first shot i saw of this uh i was like oh hey isn't that uh dustin from stranger things and i was like oh okay like he's in this he's in the show uh you know the code name for the show which you know is all over the internet now is is tariko so i was like oh whatever this show tariko is and uh, I was like, so Dustin's in this in this show, uh, whatever it is. And then like I saw a shot with Robin, and I was like, oh, they're both in the show. That's like whatever the show's about. I was like, it's so interesting, huh? <laughs> and then like it was like the shot of all of them getting out of the car, and I was like, all the kids from Stranger Things are in this show. And I was like, oh, Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm working on the new season of Stranger Things. Now, I really just didn't care. I, I didn't care because like keep in mind. For for me, I was coming out of six months of working on on a spinoff of of the show Power. So like it was all bullets and muzzle flashes and gunshot wounds. So I was just happy for anything that wasn't that. So I was like, whatever this show is, you know, cool. And I was That's like, so funny. <laughs> in your defense, the movie It, the re the rework of it that came out in like 2018, that movie has some of the Stranger Things cast in it. And honestly, without you know comparing them too much, if you look at both. Of those movies, like just scenes from them, you could you could mistake you could you could you could, you could mistake it the movie it from 2018 for Stranger Things because they're on bikes at a, a lot of the time. Uh, it definitely takes place in the 80s, right? So like it has the same exact atmosphere yeah. as yeah. So I could see I was like, oh, this isn't so obvious initially, but then after you see too many characters, it's like, well, I was you know. I was just like, wow, all the kids from Stranger Things are in this show called Rico, <laughs> whatever that's about. <laughs> How many do you know how many days that was? Was that more than um, one day? It was it was like almost a week. It, it took me like a week to realize I was working on But so going back, we'll talk more about the development as we get to like some of the episodes and shots you worked on. But going back to the Chrissy thing, that uh that, that first episode was definitely surprising. I was watching that with Jaden, and like one that happened, I looked at Jaden and my that's my little brother, and he looked at me and we were he's both 12, like, right? Yeah, he's 12. We were like, oh shit. Like, yeah, man. It was crazy, and I just didn't see that coming. I've really, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Like, it's not like I haven't seen kids be killed before because the movie It, for example, kids get killed primarily, that actually exclusively in that movie. And in Stranger Things, they have, you know, gone that far as well. Like I said, that one girl, I forget her name. I feel bad, but Barbara. She died in that pool, like in season one or whatever. The Barbara? one that everyone forgets about, Barbara. Barb- well, everyone yeah, in Bar- the show forgot about her anyway. Yeah. She she died as well, you know. So kid, it's not like kids haven't died in Stranger Things, but it's just, it's it's really how it was gruesome brutal, it was. It was, a brutal, it was brutal, man. It was, it was brutal. fucking brutal. 
Because yeah. like my, yeah. my 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 first exposure to it was so so first we worked on episode five and then then we moved to episode seven and we pretty much did like the entire like lab scene of all of the kids being slaughtered and I I I had the job of going through and like setting up all of the shots that we were doing so I pretty much saw the entire sequence and as I'm looking at it and like I'm looking at like the reference that that Netflix sends us and everything and I'm just like this is I was like this is dark I'm like damn like all these yeah. I'm like all these kids are like gonna be dead with like snapped limbs and like gouged out eyes I was Yo. like what the fuck is gonna happen so like I I couldn't like say anything to you guys but I was like it's gonna be dark I was like this season yeah, yeah, is gonna yeah. be dark so at yeah. the end of episode one when Chrissy got like Vecna I was like oh this happens for the entire season I was like yes. this is just yeah, gonna yeah. happen the entire episode season. two. The one journalist kid gets fucking off the same exact way. And I was like, God damn, this is going to be a thing at the end of every episode. Same. By the end of episode two, I thought each episode was going to end with a, with somebody getting like, destroyed. From working on the show and watching all this stuff, the thing, you know, working on when you watch the show or before you watch the show, did you feel as though the spoilers that you got from working on the show had any impact on your enjoyment of it? Or do you feel um, like it almost made you excited to see certain things or, you know, whatever? Both, because the whole beginning mystery of like, like a professor or Dr. Brenner being like, oh, what have you done? You know, what have you done? And like almost immediately, I was like, no, she didn't do it. It was one. And I was like, and one is the orderly. Because like, I, I just, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because like one of the shots that I worked on was them kind of like doing the telekinetic thing at each other. Um, so like... Just from like you know reading the the notes and stuff like that, I was able to like piece it together. It, it doesn't like say it, it like it, it, implicitly explicitly or anything, but you know, um, like there's a few times they do refer to him as one, like you know the client does, the client being Netflix. Um, <clears throat> so you know, I was able to kind of piece a few things together, um, but the surprisingly what I didn't put together is that he was Vecna. I should have like, and probably there was a part of me that didn't want to put it together. Cause I wanted to yeah, experience yeah, yeah. it. Um, yeah. But like with all of those clues, I, I really should have been able to put together like, Oh, one, I actually, one and one is Vecna. I do like the way the show. So from a perspective of somebody who's just a viewer, right. I do like the way the show hid that one was Vecna. Oh, we, don't, we don't even get introduced to the guy who is Vecna until pretty late into the show, I want to say. And late is like episode mm. like five, I guess. Um, but when he's introduced, he pretends to be kind of an aide to L. And he has an ulterior motive, which you can you can sense as a viewer, but you can't. I don't think it's that obvious that he is Vecna. And then you get the episode four, Dear Billy. Which in this episode, there's a lot of things that happen, but one of the best things that happens is the whole Victor Creole backstory. So as the cops and everyone in the town are looking for the killer of Chrissy and the other reporter kid who died in episode two, they're trying to figure out who killed him. And they're saying this resembles exactly what happened years ago with Victor Creole. Victor Creole is like this murderer. Side note, the guy that played Victor Creole is the guy that played Freddy Krueger. Yes. Very, very cool uh, little cameo right there. And his eyes are all clawed out and everything like that. So they have him playing a Victor Creel and they give his backstory because this happened a while ago in the same town of Hawkins where, you know, uh, people ended up dead with the same exact body breaking and the eyes being gouged out or pushed into the back of their head. This really gruesome death. It resembles exactly what he did. 
So the girls decide they want to go visit him. And he gives the backstory of what happened. And in the backstory, so I went and watched episode four again just to enjoy because it's my favorite episode of all of Stranger Things. And as I was watching it, uh, I noticed that even the production and the direction of the episode, they do hide the little boy who ends up being one. They don't show him die the way they showed the mom. You know, the mom, he kills the mom blatantly on screen, right? Like she lifts up into the air, all her bones break, but you don't see his eyes moving in a way that shows that he's the one doing it. Um, And then the daughter also, you see her, you see her dead too. And then he mentions that like his son was essentially pronounced dead a week later. Like he fell into a coma. He's pronounced dead a week later. It didn't occur to me to think like, huh, the son he was pronounced because they just tell you they tell you blatantly that he died a week later. So I just I just took it for that. Like, I know, didn't do anything of it. On that note, so I thought because in that episode he talks about how like my son was like he says like my son was like more in tune with the weird or whatever. Yes, he so, says he was sensitive. I thought that I basically thought his son ended up in a will situation. I thought he wasn't dead and maybe he ended up going to the upside down. Oh, was, okay. I thought like this it was like kid trapped in the upside down. I think it together that the son was back now, obviously. Yeah, I, I think it was too early, episode four, to know all that. But I did I did legit think the son was still alive and still was connected to the story. I just wasn't sure how yet. And then when it when it comes to like one himself, I pretty early was like like, is this guy one? Like, the guy that was talking yeah. before, I was like, is this guy actually one? But once again, I didn't connect that he's Vecna or the little boy. It was, like, really interesting to kind of connect certain things. Like, I think this is related to this. And, like, be almost there, but not quite there. And then when everything ends up being connected, you're like, holy shit, it's, like, webbed together. Like, it's, it, it ends up being so cool the way it ends up all falling together. Yeah, I think it yeah. was so... The part that made it really clear to me that he was going to be one was when he blatantly told Elle about one, and she said, what happened to him? And he said, that's a story for another day, but it doesn't end well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of looks at us, oh, okay, so I see, I, see where, I see where it's going with that. I was like, he's definitely one. Then they showed him being tased and everything like that with no context to it. Like, he was just being tased. And I was like, okay. And then like Elle kind of caught a glimpse of that. And then she runs away. And then you see the guy come out the lab. So I was like, okay, there's something going on. I still didn't think that he was going to be evil though. I thought, you know, I don't know. He gave me weird vibes, but not like I'm going to kill the entire ward. <laughs> if you, if you free me, I'm going to kill everybody in here, including the kids. Yeah, yeah, like he yeah, yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. give me that. He did not give me that. I knew he but, was going to be on some shit. I didn't think he was going to be the one that killed everybody. Me either. I, still, I did not see him killing everybody in that place. When we got to the last episode, it's funny because J- we we were watching the last episode and Jaden was like, I don't think he was like, I don't think L did it. He was like, I, he, he was legit saying like, I don't. And he was saying like, um, he's basically saying like he doesn't think. I was like, I don't know, Jaden. I think she probably did because like we know that she didn't have a good control of her powers when she was younger, right? And like, they started getting bullied real bad. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I think she probably did. And uh, but at that point, I did think one was like going to be on some shit. But I just I did not think he was going to be the one that fucking kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, he was like way here, and then he just started offing everybody. He was blatantly trying to turn L against. Like the father, right? Like he was, yeah. Like he 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 can't control you, so he tried to kill you the other day. That's why all the cameras were off. That's why those oh. kids were out. After she took the suppressor out of his neck, though, I was like, oh, oh. Like, I was well, like, it's going to get bad. I was like, I started second, to feel it there. I was like, oh no, this is getting bad. I, I think like, that that part, bad. that part to me was when it got it started. Things started to become a little bit more obvious as far as him being not who he said he was, right? Like the second he asked, like he said, oh, this thing is a tracker. And like it won't let me, uh, you know, leave this place or whatever. He'll know. And I'll, I was like, yeah. And you're soliciting this kid's help to get it out of you. 
another another happened. little interesting clue is because he he says that Papa calls it Soteria, and for anyone that's a that's a mythology buff, that would have been a giveaway because Soteria is, I believe, the Greek goddess of like divine protection or something like that. Oh, like she's supposed to protect that. you. Yeah. So like he named it that deliberately. So like if you knew that, you'd be like, hmm, Soteria is like the Greek goddess of uh, of protection. Why would you need something called that in your neck, right? Like, so yeah, no, that's interesting. I didn't even, I didn't know. I like the name of it though, Soteria. That sounds really cool. It sounds really, you know, anime esque or whatever. But as soon as she took that <laughs> shit out of his neck, I knew. I said, "Oh, he has powers." I felt it. And then obviously, when they got to the uh, the hallway in the lab, and all of the security guards came up, I said, "Yeah." Before he even started using his powers, you just knew he had powers. Yep. Yep. Like the but second, it doesn't, it doesn't help. It. It doesn't help that, like, in every one of these scenarios, the security guards are always assholes. Yes. Like, they're always just like, ha, 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 we're sadists. Time to electrocute some kids. And you're just like, I guess if you resist, about them getting getting their necks snapped. But, you know. Yeah. And they showed that he's very powerful from the gate because he did his own little neck snap by just twisting his own neck. He did a little. You know, he just kind of moved his neck to the side, and their neck snap. I was like, "Oh, so he's he's uh, he's outrageous." Uh, but I guess they make it very clear too that L is she's more powerful than him, which is really cool because that's yeah, going to be necessary. She's also she's outrageous. A- it's so interesting, like the whole build up to it, the Victor Creel stuff, the Vecna, and he then, trained her too. He, tr- yo, he. Oh my god! And what's interesting is like they start giving the hints of because um, Papa. I don't remember. I don't know his real name, but when he's Dr. Brenner. There's the part where he's saying, like, you know, when you're using your powers, you're not allowed to use any emotion. You're not allowed to be angry or anything. And that's, right. like, obviously in response to, like, whatever the failure of one was, right? Yeah. And uh, and then, One was know, using his powers out of, yeah, out of anger for people in general. Again, he's just, like, a fucking, I don't know. He just hates all humanity. There's a name for people well, like I that. Well, I mean, he's just, actually, I wonder what that, because he, he believes that he's kind of above it all. You know, and that yeah, we disrupt the natural order, which we do. Humans do yeah. disrupt the natural order of nature. And he's taking a uh, liking to Black Widows. So, uh, you know, he was like a walking video essay in a sense. But yeah, he's really um, he's really cool as a character. I just like that the villain has a backstory. Was human at one point, and also was responsible for the massacre. Also is Vecna. <laughs> also went to the Upside Down. Like he trained L. And also the, you know, the one versus double one or one versus 11 thing is really cool to me. He said, I'm just like you. Uh, it's just a lot of cool things there. And then L rejects the fact that she's just like him because he wants her to join him in purging the world of people. And yep. she's like, no, like, I'm not doing that shit. I'm not with that. Like, you know, people do treat me bad or whatever. Bad things happen. But for whatever reason, L still has this, this moral compass about killing people that she's just not exactly with, even from a young age. And she fights against him from the very beginning. And at first I was like, well, she's just going to get bodied, right? But like, you kind of know how the story ends already because this is all in the past. So, you know, clearly something went right. But I didn't know if somebody might have saved her or something. Um, but no, she does it on her own. She actually just beats him 1v1. She just beats him. And then and she's and a fucking plane walker because she can just send you to a different dimension. Which yeah. raised some very interesting questions about, so then what is the upside down? Like, where did she send him? How did she send him? Did she create that dimension? Yeah, or was it just always a, like a space a backstory? I don't, I don't think she created a dimension, but yeah. I don't she, think so either. 
She but, definitely like ripped. She just like ripped a tear in in you know the fabric of space time to like send them there. But then even more interestingly is like, so then is the upside down the upside down because Vecna shaped it in that image? Yeah. So I have a question too, because one of the coolest things is that, so we see him getting transformed all Palpatine, like from Star Wars, he gets force electrocuted a bunch of times. He goes bald. His skin gets all nasty and fleshy. And it's all because L sent him to this dimension. But we also find out in season four that the upside down has been frozen on the same day, three years ago. November yeah. 6th, 1983. And they're in 1986 during the show. So they go back to uh, the one girl's house and she's like, yo, this shouldn't be here. This shouldn't be here. I don't have a gun yet in the upside down. And then she realizes this is three years ago. She finds her diary in the last entry on her diary, which she re- she wrote in every single day. The last entry was like three years ago. So you find out that the upside down is actually frozen to the day when like L opened that portal or Will got taken into the upside down. It's been it's been stuck in that exact day this entire time, which is that just poses a lot of questions about yeah. the upside down. And then also like what is what I, I and I'm still waiting for this to be explored. And it seems like the it seems like volume two is gonna explore it. Like, what is the mind flayer? Like I have a yeah. pretty good idea of what the demogorgon is, but I really want to know like what the mind flayer is and what his purpose is because I thought that the mind flayer was the big bad. And Me I too. thought that every every sequential season after that was going to kind of like, ex- like, you know, explore what their, like what the mind flayers purpose is and like what they are. And so even so Dustin, so. go ahead, Kenny. I was going to say, I think you were about to say it too. Even Dustin says that he thinks Vecna is one of mind the mind flayer soldiers. Right. We, general. Yeah. But as we understand it, if I'm to understand what happened correctly, Vecna is the boss and the mind flayer was essentially working for Vecna. Who That's, knows? So we know. we don't we don't know because Dustin has been pretty spot on with everything else he said. Almost like he's a narrator of the season, right? When they were yeah. playing D and D, and they were talking about Vecna, Eddie and Dustin and everybody. Like when they were talking about Vecna, they basically were talking about the villain of the season, which is really cool how they use D and D to explain the villain. But then that doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. We probably shouldn't take their narration as being true for a hundred percent fact. Yeah. So when he says that if the Demogorgon was his foot soldier then Vecna is his five-star general. It could be the other way around, and Vecna is actually that's, right. Yeah, that's what I think. Only because in in the sense of Vecna and what we've learned f- from him, in this, like Vecna has actual motivations in being one. He has actual motivations against Hawkins and against the real world. Whereas the, yep. mind, flayer, the mind Flayer, at least at this moment, we don't know what their motivations would be. And, you know, but Vecna being an actual person from the original world it, it ties all the motivations together and why they're sending monsters to this world and et cetera, and why they're attacking Hawkins. So. Yeah, and Vecna I didn't mean, start acting until L lost her powers, which is really cool, too, because he knew that she's the one thing that could really stop him. Yep. I mean, we we know that we what we do know about the Mind Flayer, whatever it is, is that it wants to get into our world and it wants to it wants to, you know, essentially dominate, you know. Yeah, yeah over which is interesting. Like I've always found it interesting the way that they like correlate the the monsters in the show to the monsters in D D. They're not one to one, obviously. Demogorgon in D D is like a demon prince, so that's different. Um, but he is like a big bad fucking scary thing, and they have yet to kill that one demogorgon, so I don't know, maybe it's spot on. But the mind flayer is 
Mind Flayers in D&D are a race of uh, sentient creatures that basically take over other intelligent creatures and make them their slaves. So they and they like they jump from dimension to dimension to do that. So So, like how the guy, what is his name? Billy? Yeah. Uh, Season three, like he got his mind taken over. He was going around basically recruiting people for the Mind Flayer or whatever. Right. Because that's what that that that's what they do. So like I'm assuming that that is what the Mind Flayer wants to do. They they are they are a hive mind. So, you know, like uh, I'm assuming that they just want to be like humans are ours now. And at, at that point in time in season two, I had assumed that whatever the upside down was was just a different dimension that existed that probably pulled from other dimensions, like pieces of it. And the mind flare like took over basically these other like species from these different dimensions and were controlling them because that's what mind flares do. Like he just, he just dominated. It was like, okay, now this, all of this shit is mine now. And now I need need to add earth, the regular, (laughs) the right side up to it too. Right. Right. And that's kind of what I assumed in, in, what happened um but now like with the existence of of vecna like it 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 doesn't like contradict it i'm i'm hoping that like it somehow come all comes full circle so um, we know that part two is coming out july 1st or something like that uh and it's only two episodes that was yo those two episodes are long i thought it was going to be yeah that was a little disappointing i thought part two was gonna be another seven episodes yeah i heard it was only two which it's still fine, you know. They have a focused vision, and I'm I'm still excited to see it because so far, like I said, this has been an amazing season. But, it really has. So these next two episodes, how long are they supposed the, to be? Like these next two, two hours. The, no, no, these next two episodes in total are the same length as six regular episodes. Wait, what? Yeah, because because <laughs> the first the first episode is going to be an hour and forty. 40 minutes and the second episode is going to be two hours and 30 minutes yeah so, well, that's that's, so if you if you time that out if you time that out by like 40 minutes each yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh that, that it basically is another a whole nother season. yes yeah. i don't know well, why they're doing this though this thing where yeah, yeah. they uh they, instead of making it more episodes they're kind of putting a lot of content and I, this is another uh, nitpicky thing i have with this season because the, the season is not without faults it's not perfect it's very good though. Like it's one of my favorite seasons of yeah. a show that I've seen, and all of those good things. A lot, I think it'll get a lot of accolades for not only the acting but just the storyline and direction, also the villain being personalized. But I do think that one of the things I just could not stand was how much goes into every episode. It's just a little too much, I think, for me to process. And I did find myself at times my mind wandering because it's just a lot. So you had the storyline with uh, Mike going to visit L. Right. So you have Mike, Will and L together for a bit. Then you have the storyline with like Robin and Henry and all of those people. And then the pothead and like the random guy making pizzas and shit. Then you got like it. Lucas and the basketball stuff. And you got the Russian plot with Hopper, which is like, you know, it was comedic relief. But then it was just so over the top at times and very suspension of disbelief was required to watch any of the Russian scenes, like any of it, because you want me to believe the two regular American people are infiltrating a Russian prison and like actually freeing somebody. It's just a bit much. I mean, so it's like, okay, days. what do you expect? No, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's like you, it required a lot of suspension of disbelief. And I'm like, okay, I'm already accepting that demagoguing exists. Right. So I can't get too crazy when they're like two Americans infiltrating this Russian prison. But at the same time, so much of it was just like comedy, like the entire actor, the guy, Yuri, 
Like he was ridiculous. And then like, I love Murray. Like, don't get me wrong. Murray is actually legit to me. I love that. He's not, not a punk bitch. Like he actually used his karate. Also, yeah, Murray's the real one because like Joyce was like, I guess I have to go to Russia to save Hop. And he was like, You mean we're going to Russia to save Hop? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I really like him. Like, I genuinely like his character. I think he's actually funny. But then a lot of the stuff that was just happening in Russia to me, a lot of the Hopper stuff just felt like it was uh crammed into the episodes. Like, for example, Dear Billy, my favorite episode, episode four. It had a lot of like him trying to escape and he gets recaptured and all that stuff because he got double crossed by Yuri. I just feel like that could have been its own episode. Yeah, like that- I, I think. I, and, you know, I actually have like the same, like almost the exact same complaint because the, the, the G plot with with the G plot with Will and Jonathan and all that is Dude, definitely my least favorite. It plot is by far the worst plot line of the season. The, and Argyle is trash. He's the yeah. worst new. He's one of the worst yeah. new characters ever introduced. Like he, yeah. he's just like he does nothing. Uh-huh, funny. He's funny because he's high. Like yeah, he does literally cool. nothing for the show. Then, You're right, which is, which is a shame because like they they could do because honestly, what I was expecting is I was expecting that what they did with Eddie, they were going to do with Argyle, and I was expecting that Eddie was going to be a throwaway character. He does not like. For example, his only the the only integral thing he does really is that. He is a vehicle for them to have a vehicle to go visit. Literally, he's their yes. fucking That's the only Literally, when they were getting shot up, he drove them away. But, like, you could have took his character out of the show. They could have just stole a car. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. he doesn't need to be a character. He doesn't do anything. Like, he's so fucking bad. So, the scene I, I have I have problems with that entire, that, that entire plot line is just kind of like, it's weak. To me, yeah, it I is. agree. I agree, one hundred percent, Anthony. It and it really felt like it was making the episodes longer. And there's there's theories that Netflix kind of did it on purpose because I don't know if you guys have heard, but this show, season four of Stranger Things, is like the biggest record breaker of Netflix is ever having a premiere weekend. Uh, it has the most hours watched ever, right? And when they specifically worded it like that, most hours watched ever, like it broke the record for that. It's like, oh, well, if you make a show that at every episode is over an hour long, well, of course, people are going to finish these episodes. And you know that Netflix shows get binge watched. And yes, of course, you're going to break the record for most watch hours. It's like if they make a season of Bridgerton and they make the season just longer in general, they just pad it out with nonsense, right? Like If you just put more into it, then yes, it's going to be the most watched hours long show, too. And, and you also, can get that by cheesing it. I would like for people to realize, I don't know if people realize or not, but Stranger Things is the reason why we have all these Netflix shows, all these Netflix movies. It really did start with Stranger Things. Like, Netflix was, like, dipping their toe in the pool a little bit here and there before. But, like, Stranger Things took, like, Stranger Things came out, it was a hit, and then Netflix was, like, all the way. All these Netflix shows, boom, 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 you're greenlit, you're greenlit, you're greenlit. The two earliest shows I remember were Stranger Things and House of Cards. Yep. Those were, like, the two pioneer shows for me. Yes, they were um, both very good. Orange New Black was Orange like New Black was huge. Yeah, I think Orange yes. New Black that was that one was the big. next big one. But then uh, like and Orange even I haven't seen the later seasons, but even like the first two seasons of Orange and New Black are actually pretty good. Like I, pretty I really like them. I like the premise of an all women prison. It's like Oz, but with yeah, women. I thought that was really cool. And then, a lot of the Netflix shows after that have just been not good. Yeah. <laughs> and like someone told me the other day, they were like Orange and New Black, like they were like, Yeah, season seven. I was like, That bitch has seven seasons. 
I didn't know it was still <laughs> even a thing. Like, I, I don't know if it ended or still ongoing, but but to get back to the original point that I was making, so, yeah, the weak plot. So 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 the G plot, I kind of threw that away. Also because I don't really like Mike, and also Dude, something I'm Mike really, is trash. I Mike think that Mike dope. is a. I think that he's not only a bad character, but he's a bad fucking person. He's but anyway, trash. oh <laughs> shit. Um, he was cool in season one, but since season two, that was I have it. Not but even in season one, he was a little bitch. But I don't want to talk about Mike. I'm what I'm really upset about is the way that they've done my boy Will dirty. So yeah, Will, Will I know where you're going with this too, Anthony, because this relates to uh, his sexuality is definitely in question for sure. And the show is basically gay baiting, using his character as a way I, to kind of it. So okay, so like Will, I am a part of Libidical Plus which is the LGBTQ <laughs> community. I was going to say, you can't just say that. <laughs> the LGBTQ plus no, community. Like Will, I've had a sabbatical. Libidical <laughs> <laughs> plus. Libidical plus. So, uh, so I was hoping that they would do something substantial with that, that part of his character. But instead, they are doing the tired old gay boy pines after straight boy that he likes plot and i'm yeah. so disappointed so there's a couple of things hinting at him being homosexual uh early in the season the girl puts her foot up against his he looks over at her very nervously he moves his foot away he stares straight ahead uh there's at the end of season three him and will My- mike and will get into an argument and mike says it's not my fault you don't like girls and i was like oh shit like, you know, you could take that as, well, I've aged to the point where, like, my puberty kicked in, I like girls now, and you still don't, because you're still stuck in the mindset of a boy who hasn't quite gotten there yet. Or you could take it as what it really probably meant is that, you know, Will likely doesn't actually like girls. And then also, when he makes that comment about uh, how Eleven's lying to Mike and he doesn't deserve that, it definitely felt very defensive Oh, Mike. yeah. Yeah, it felt very like like when she when he said she he doesn't deserve that. I was like, oh shit! Like and, and a lot of a lot of the editing, a lot of the editing of like Will looking. At he looks Mike. at him. It's like the long Man, stairs. They've done Will dirty since season one. Like in season one, he was he was barely a part of the plot because yes. like the whole mystery was finding Will, which yes. I like because I was like he is a character and not actually being a character, and I was like that is genius. Yes, like. They introduce him in, in in episode one of the first season, and like they're all friends, and then their friend goes missing. So Will is like the character; he's a character in that he is not present, and that yeah, they're yeah. trying to find him. And he kind of gets, you know, like his place gets filled by Eleven, and so on and so forth. And then in season two, he gets taken over by the Mind Flayer, which I was like, okay, like there's a little something there. But then like in season three, Will was like, I just want to play D and D. Can we play D and D, guys? And I was like, yo, I feel that, man. And then like. <laughs> And then they they never do. And then Will's like, I don't have any of my friends anymore. And he's like, and I'm gay, and I don't really know how to express it or tell anybody. And yeah. now in and this it's the eighties, so I get it. And now in this season, they're like, well, feelings you are gonna have are gonna be pining after this straight boy who's a piece of shit anyway, and is also uh, your friend. So in in his defense, though, Anthony, and I think that you probably can relate to this somewhat too. Like that is a real thing that happens. No, it, it, it is it is a real thing. It's yeah, a real thing. That it's is not, it's not to say that it doesn't happen. It's yeah. just that, that plot line is tired. It is tired. And all, it's like to the point that it's almost stereotypical. So another Netflix show. I wanna, I'm not gonna on. like hmm? I want to say this in the will note, and I could be wrong, but he hasn't actually come out yet. And I know a lot of people have been saying that, like, oh, he wants to fuck Mike, right? 
But in these next two episodes, I think obviously there's going to be like the reveal that he's gay. But I do think they'll reveal it in the next. He hasn't come out yet, and they're they're also hyping up this poster. I don't think the poster is going to be like, here's a painting of you and me fucking Mike. (laughs) So I don't I don't think he's going to be. Like, I don't think he's going to be like trying to date Mike or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm waiting to see what happens, but I don't, yeah, I don't see no, how that's going to work logistically. You are, you are right. They might take, they might take my expectation and subvert it. I would be happy if they did right now. Same. It seems like, it seems like they're going for like the lazy. You Cause know, don't they have a gay, gay girl? Isn't, isn't it? I was going to say, Robin, Robin, Robin say they've did. done a really good job in terms of like, Gay representation, I think, with Robin's character. Yeah, Robin, Robin, Robin and Steve's friendship is fantastic. I love yeah. it. I'm, like their friendship is probably my favorite friendship in the show. Um, I, it's just like okay, so there, there's another another show on Netflix. Not going to go too deep into Heartstopper. Heartstopper, yep. and they take that same trope of a gay boy having feelings for a straight guy and it being unrequited and yep. they subvert that. And if you haven't seen hard stopper, go see it. It's great. It's very heartwarming, but I just hope that I hope that they don't do will dirty again is my, I just, yeah, I hope they do something with his character uh, for people who may be thinking that, Oh, this may be, this seems like a bit of a stretch. There's also in this season, they show him blatantly doing a paper or some kind of research project on Alan Turing if you don't know who Alan Turing is, you should watch the imitation game. But basically, he is the creator of the first computer ever. And he's also a homosexual that was pivotal in World War II, I believe it was. Um, but he basically decoded the German signals. They send signals with the special coding every day. And they switch to coding every single day. And so Alan Turing developed a computer that could decipher it every single day uh, using the common letters in Hail Hitler because that was put at the end of every single letter. So they sent out these, this is a whole complicated thing. But basically, Alan Turing is a gay guy, and he was uh, chemically castrated back then. So he's like, you know, a very big gay figure in history, and they show Will doing a project on him in the show. So it's like another thing just kind of linking him to homosexuality and that whole okay, thing. I didn't, I didn't know that. So like, see, like stuff like that kind of gives me hope that they're not actually going to do Will Durant. Yes. Like, like, I, yes. Trope. I hope um, so too, Anthony, because they didn't get like still, even still, even with all of these little hints that they've been dropping, like, okay, we get it. Um, they just haven't blatantly come out and said it. And I understand that because as a teenager, like being homosexual and stuff is not the easiest thing to just be like. And also just fig- figuring out your sexuality when you're that age is just yes. is and already a journey. It is the eighties. Again, this is a period piece. And in the eighties, it's not as accepted as it is in 2022, right? In 2022, you come out, and honestly, people who come out in 2022 and make it a big spectacle, I'm just like, why? But in the 80s, it is a fucking big deal because you could actually become the top love, yes, I just want to say, yes. I love the gif of Will's walk coming out of school. That There's a gif of him just walking with so much sugar. I, it's so good. I didn't see this. I did it's not see this. It's such a good gif. It's Will <laughs> walking out of school with the sugariest walk, and I love it. I'm like, go ahead, Will. I want to see this gift now. I got it. You guys got to see it. But um, something just on that note of it being the 80s, something I really like about the show, and I wasn't going to necessarily bring it up, but here's something I like, and I'm actually surprised there's not like random racist dudes complaining about it. But uh, I like how... Uh, they're too busy bitching about Star Wars. No, but I like they how are, in the they show... Are, they're busy. It takes place in the 80s, but there are a lot of black characters, but they don't... I don't know, maybe... You guys might have a different opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I, I noticed. There's I noticed not, there's not racism in the show. Like, yeah, black, they, and that's. I think that's cool though because 
there's always been an excuse for like, well, it's the 80s, so you can't have black people on the show. <laughs> but it's like, why not? Just like, fuck it, it's still fiction. Yeah, so we I like exist. The fact that there's, we, we also just fucking exist, right? So, there's a lot of black people in the show, and they're in prominent positions. They're not. Yes. It's not just like, well, you know, blah blah blah. So that's something yeah, I like, like about the show is that the leaders of the government and the whoever those police are, those special government people, they're both of the guys were black. I was actually confused on who they were because I'm going to be honest. They kind of look similar to me. So when the one was getting tortured by the other one, I was like, look, look, look. It really be your own people. It really be your own. But look, I could not tell them apart that well. And then one of them was really fucking beat up. And I was like, okay, so that's that one. But yeah, no. it's it, no. they do they no. do have like, black people in Yeah, I was like, all right, that one's beat up. Boy. He's the beat He's up like, one. So you got the bludgeon no. black guy, and then you got the bleeder black. Guy. Listen, I could not tell them apart. I was like, all right, this is a. Uh, I mean, look, look, the scenes were dark. Were I didn't know if it. Scenes. I didn't know if it was Lucas. I was like, oh, is Lucas now? I didn't know. A government? Is Lucas now a government lieutenant? Like, when did Lucas become a lieutenant? Oh shit! No, I'm I'm joking, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do, I do like the fact that the uh the whole thing about black and white isn't a really big deal in the show. They don't go out of their way to make it an issue, even though obviously we know from history in the 80s, it's not the same world we live in now. It's not as inclusive and things like that. So even with, you know, black kids going to the same school as white kids, like that still was a whole yeah, I can, thing. I can appreciate that they like, they hint at it when it's appropriate. Like yeah. when it would be like, this is the point where someone, where it would be addressed. Yeah. And otherwise it's just kind of like, you know, black people exist and we're not going to focus on, you know, like the, the racial aspect of it because that's yeah, not Cause honestly, as a black person, it can get kind of tired to just every media we consume to have to deal with our past trauma, right? Like to have yeah, to see yeah, that yeah. on screen. It's just, it gets exhausting. It's already enough exhausting stuff going on in reality. So when I watch something like stranger things, I don't necessarily want to be reminded of all of the cruelties and things that have happened. So I do like that when I watch the show, I can just enjoy black people, and white people existing together and but it not being an issue. It's also not done in a way where it feels like it's dismissing. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, definitely, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Inversely, what does get dismissed a lot is shit that happens in that Russia plot line. So that is the second weakest plot line to me. And I think it really kind of took a bad turn when Hop escaped and then got brought back. Yeah. And I was like, why are we doing this? Now, like you said, if it was focused on that, if like if it if the show were about Hop getting out of a Russian prison and then that happened, it would be acceptable because right. it would have more of a purpose i guess but like as you're watching it and there are all these other plot lines happening i was just like wait he's going back to square one i was like move to the next plot line please yeah also can i just say this This they show hopper they show hopper getting his ass whipped his feet broken like on some saw type shit one man goes through it he goes through a lot but then i noticed that immediately (laughs) like immediately after they show him getting destroyed he's just up and walking straight and fighting again like it never happened and that just bothered me too like after he broke his foot in like three different places with that damn thing on it the restraint i was like okay and then the next thing they just show him walking through the yard i was like what they they do a small and i agree with you though it's not really acceptable but they do a small thing to try to explain it away where they quickly show that like when he's taking his boot, like he has it wrapped and like stabilized. Yeah. And so like that's supposed to make you go like, oh well, that's why he can walk around because he's bro, stabilized. And you're I like, sprained my ankle. <laughs> bro, I have sprained my ankle, and let me just tell you, a simple sprained ankle, which is far less than what happened to Hopper, is like you can't walk straight at all. 
Also, yeah, yeah. we got to talk about infections and yeah. all that. They were drag. You remember they were dragging him out of the fucking torture room, like, but his feet were dragging on the ground. And I'm just looking like, okay, so he's going to be out of commission. Like when they go to rescue Hopper, I was expecting him to fully be unable to like, mm-hmm. Hopper, we need, we need you to move like Hopper. We need you to like muster your strength. So that, and, and I thought they were going to have him, you know, uh, in the middle where they're both carrying like an arm. Cause he's a big guy. Hopper's huge. Like Murray and, and I, and I think, uh, Winona Ryder's character, I thought they were both have an issue getting him out, but no, he's just like completely. He's fighting fine. Demogorgons. He's Dude. fighting Demogorgons. Actually. He's yeah. completely My fighting Demogorgons. ran through the snow barefoot. For I was like, hours. Dude, they, they I said, legit. They said I was, was like, a two hour trip. I, I like, was like, oh. did they really? Yeah, he yeah. said, like Yuri said, it's two hours from from the church to the prison. He did say that. By, I was like, by ride. By I was ride. like, yo, Hopper's not gonna have feet. Like when yeah. they showed his feet yeah. again, I thought they were gonna be like black. Black. Yeah, up. they should have been. Obviously, frost. like, but. His feet were just like kind of pink. I was like, yo. <laughs> I was like, my man's feet should not then be. Then he finds some peanut butter and it makes it all better. Nice, <laughs> nice little ad there, Jif. Jif bought some advertising which, which space. Something, something that always bothers me in like just any movie or anything like that is when someone has been through something traumatic, they are filthy. And then they find some food and they're just like, all the fingers. I hate it. And I'm just like, watch your fucking hands. Yo, Gary was in the room with me when I was watching that particular this is episode 4. Gary was in the room and I was like, Gary, do you watch this? He was like, yeah, I watched season 1 and then after that I was done with it. He's watching the episode with me and it got to the part where Hopper put his hands in the the raw peanut butter and just scooped it into his mouth and I cringed. I visibly cringed. I was like, ew. And <laughs> Gary just started like laughing at me. Because like he's in a church. There's There was running water. There was running water for sure. I get that he's like super hungry and all that stuff. It was just a funny scene. Like, I don't really care about it, but I do care about the fact that Hopper seems to have a Wolverine healing factor this entire fucking season. (laughs) And I'm just a bit over that. Like that just, like you said, the Russia plot line was not. He's also just like plot shielded in general. Cause he is, unless I missed something like they don't really explain how he survived season three. He just like survived. Yeah, they showed like, him run. He was past he the explosion was in the room. Like, you know, like, yeah, they show him. So they do show a flashback of it, which is so bad. The flashback they show of it was just that's just not what happened. That's just they just simply didn't show what happened. Like, they showed this man running away from the explosion, like actually outrunning it on some fucking Superman shit. He outruns the explosion and then he gets shot into the the portal and then he ends up in Russia. Russia. You know, it's almost like the showrunners knew. That season three wasn't good, and not many people liked it, and they were just like, "We're just gonna just you know just move past that." Yeah, like didn't really. They got. Know, it definitely seems like now. that because I will say this: the whole big thing of season three was that Hopper was supposedly killed, and it was a bit is a sad moment at the end of it when everyone was reading off their letters and shit, talking about how great of a man he was and how life is going to have to go on without him, and how he was a hero. There was all of this talk about that. And even this season starts off with Elle saying, my dad was a hero and all that stuff. It, it Honestly, his death made a lot more sense for the show and for the, tr- the trauma of L. Like, it sucks that she has to keep going through all these traumas. But honestly, in death, Hopper was a better character having died the way he did, as opposed to, like, now this Russia plotline that is honestly just a comedic relief. I can't see any part of it as anything other than comedic relief and also to introduce a Demogorgon back into the plot. Uh, which makes you realize they still haven't beat it. Like, I just want everyone to realize the Demogorgon from season one 
has is never that the been same never, one or is it a different I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's, 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 it's the same one. one. She does turn him into like ribbons, doesn't she? No, yeah, no, no, no. I don't think. I don't think so. That, like I feel. I feel like doesn't she I remember, turn the demogorgon like in the dust by the? Yeah, episode? I thought she does the same thing she does so, to one. Right, exactly. So I think she just sent it back to to the dimension, and then because the thing that and that dimension might be Russia for all we know. It it happens to L too. She sent it to Russia. She was like, "Get out of America, dog!" It might be Russia. Go, go to the Soviets. What, what proof do you have that it isn't Russia? <laughs> like, that's, that's as far true. as we saw in season four, Hopper got sent to fucking Russia, and so, and Hop was like, "I don't know how I got it. I don't know how it came here, but it's here, and it's gonna yeah." Kill us. I think she sent the Demogorgon so, to Russia, and they were like, "Oh, a pet," and they yo, just that's captured it. Fucked up. You they know, easily, so they easily captured, they captured it. Like, they fucking Pokemon it, but they—they've never. De- Demogorgon has never been defeated. Even I thought when Hop was gonna throw the spear into its face, I was yeah. like, "Oh, it's a weak oh, spot." And it no, was I like, knew, "I no. knew, I knew, I knew he was wasn't like, going down from that." I was like, my, "He gonna spit that yo, out." In my head, I was like, "How do you beat this thing?" Yeah. Also, bro, <laughs> can we just talk about the entire Demogorgon premise in season four when that shit came out? So there were like a good 12, 15 men. Ready to fight this thing. And I legit thought, and I knew that they, a lot of them, because, you know, they're characters we've never seen before. You knew that they were going to be used as fodder. I still thought that it would be a lot slower than it was. When that <laughs> fucking thing came out, and the first guy, it, first of all, it jumped over everybody. It, like, chose who it wanted to kill first. It I love the way it hurled. Bro, the way it ran forward and jumped over everyone to get the specific one guy it wanted to start and ate his head, I was like, holy shit. Then the next guy just, like, smacked his head, his head, like, twisted around. Yeah, yeah, With, yeah. You know, he was you brutal. know. The whole the weakness of the Russia plot line is almost forgiven for being able to see that Demogorgon scene. Uh, yes, it, it was, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wow. like the it was almost like the Darth Vader scene in in uh, Rogue yes, One. Rogue One, yo, because yes. like keep in mind, like season one of Stranger Things did not have a big VFX team. It was just kind of a startup show. They yeah, they really have a lot of budget, so you know they had to like be tricky about how they showed the monster. But in this one, they were like, "We got the budget, bitch." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you got to see it rip some really, humans apart. Quite you really literally. got to see it do what it does best, and I thought that was great. Whoever, like, whoever worked on that did a fucking fantastic job because that thing scared the shit. Like it put it into perspective for me that it could wipe out a hundred humans no problem. Like it could zero diff a hundred human beings with ease. How much stronger and faster it is than us. Like we don't stand a chance against it. Which like kind of makes you think like, damn, how did Will survive? <laughs> yeah, it does make you wonder though, like how do the Russians even control it though? Like how do the Russians get it back in? Like why doesn't it just jump up the steps and kill? Like how that's do they have a problem with the plot with the Democrats? How do they control like, it? Like how do they get it back in? A the kid? entire Russian plot line is so bad that I was thinking the same thing after I saw how much havoc it wreaks. Also, the fact that it can open steel doors with its bare hands, bro. Yeah, I was like, okay, so you mean to tell me that they keep on getting this thing back into captivity? How? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. how? Maybe it's happy after it's it's fed. You know, it's like I was hungry. You know, like a, like a, like a Snickers commercial. You know, yeah. and they're like, you know, you're they not yourself when you're the inmates. They plump the inmates up blatantly, and then they send them in there to get killed. But then they also <clears> watch <throat> it from just a balcony, like not a far balcony either, like a yeah, jump yeah. away. They don't watch it from a safe place. Yes. <laughs> like maybe they know it's weak to fire or something. I don't know. That the only thing I can think would. Yeah, I assume they have flamethrowers and like maybe a firing squad comes out with flamethrowers and they just shoot the flamethrower and herd it towards the mm-hmm. back towards his room. Like get, yeah. get, get, go and get. 
You but it's an, it's an intelligent creature, so I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm also just like, how have you kept this thing in captivity? But yeah, yeah. so stranger an, things. Another like we can going back to like the other, just real quick, and then we I, this will kind of wrap up the weakest the weakest parts of the show. Um, when they drove to uh, Susie's house, when they um, drove to, to Mormonland, and when they go to Mormonland. And fucking one trick pony character, like as soon as he sees the girl, it's like, oh boy, they're gonna get together. Um fucking this is another thing. It was like a break of immersion a bit. When they get to Susie's house, it felt like I was watching a Disney show. Like it's just like a bunch of kids. Like it didn't feel like I just felt really disconnected. Like it I, it was just such I, an over-the-top Disney type experience. And, but, I was you like, know what am I? For what it was, though, like for what it was in a vacuum, I thought that the that like those scenes or just like that scene of them entering the house was great because I thought it was kind of like a funny joke because, you know, Mormon people are known for having a legion of children. And he had he had a legion of kids. So so when he was getting like when he was getting punked by his own kids, I was like, bro, you did that to yourself. But, you know, um, but I thought like that was funny. And Susie's character in general being like a general Mary Sue, I feel like is not as bad as it otherwise would be because the writers are in on it. Like they're in on the fact that she's a Mary Sue and they kind of lean in heavily. So she's like an over exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. one. I don't, necessarily, I don't really hate but... Susie. It's just that parts of that section of the plot. Just it's one of those things where it's like, I think it was because it was I'm a part of the plot. It just, it just is like, eh. Just, yeah, because because that that whole that whole part of the show is like uh, you're you're wasting what this one dimensional character is good at for what exactly? I just I, I really hope in the last two episodes that they somehow tie like this like Mike and Will and what we're all because it really feels like they're not even part of the show. Like everything yeah. that's happened in Hawkins is so fucking interesting and good. Vecna one. Um, the stuff with L, even though she's not Hawkins anymore, but that ends up being super connected. And everything that's happening in like the main plot is so fucking good. And then like you have the stuff going on with like Mike and in in uh wherever the fuck they're at. Nevada just now, I guess. It doesn't so. even really feel like it's part of the show. Like it's they're just kinda like doing stuff. Yeah, I feel like it should have come a little more full circle before this volume came to an end. Um, I mean, I, I agree. There is a lot of stuff in this, uh, this this season, as good as it is, it does definitely have its its faults. And I guess the show in general has had some weak points with like two and three and all of that. But they do have a lot of redeeming things. So we have we've been kind of pussyfooting around episode four a lot, but we mentioned it in pieces. Victor Creel's okay, aspect, yeah, yeah. the Russian prison escape and the return and then the Victor Creel and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, Max gets an entire episode called Dear Billy. Max gets an entire arc that's great she does get an entire arc so she finds out how the curse works she realizes that chrissy was cursed the uh, reporter kid was cursed and that she's actually been cursed too and after about seven days roughly around that time you die so she's preparing from the very onset of the episode she tells everybody look this is what happens i've been experiencing these symptoms and basically this is probably going to be my last day so they're all really fucked up about this so they decide to keep eyes on her literally there's one point where she's writing her letters and all the boys are behind her, and she's like, I can feel you guys staring at me. And they all kind of just like stop doing it. And then she turns around, passes them their letters, and she's like, You can look at me now. And they all, like, Oh, yeah. thank God. And it's, it's like a really funny scene. But the whole episode, the atmosphere of the episode is extremely sad because this teenager is essentially preparing for the worst 
Yeah, she's and, she's literally writing her last words and shit. Like she's so young. And there's a part of the the way the episode is directed, and I guess the way Max's character has been handled because her brother died in the, at the end of the last season. There's a part of it that makes it almost seem like she is ready to die too. You kind of like she's kind of given up. Yeah. Yes. Right. There's a part that seems like she's accepted that she's going to die. And that almost like she's embracing it. So she goes back to see her mom at one point, and you know they have a tumultuous relationship. And when she does that, Vecna actually ends up doing a genjutsu on her, and it's it's yo, not actually which her was, mom. And- which was so fucked up. I'm just like, yo, this guy is foul. He yeah, like he is wild into your like Dude. because let me tell you, I don't have kids, but if I had a kid and they gave me a letter. And we're like, okay, I'll be seeing you, Dad. I'd be fucking terrified. Yeah, you would be oh, like, scared. what are you gonna go do? Like, you would so, not let the kid go. First of all, you would just be like, absolutely not. Dude, like the way you're talking is wild. Max had an um, like a super. When she's talking to Lucas, and I think Lucas says like, like Max, like everything will be okay. And she's like, don't say everything's gonna be okay. Like people have been telling me that my whole life. It's a li- it's never true. Like every time anything happens, people tell me it's going to be okay. Yeah, going to be okay. And I thought it was really cute how she was like, "I should have knew I was going to get cursed. Like I should have known." Yes, she's very pessimistic about everything, which I love. And even when she's reading like the letter to Billy, she she like says, "For a while, I tried to be happy." You know, indicating that she just kind of like gave up. Just you know, she and the whole season they show her being very. Uh, just guarded. Like Lucas tries to reconnect with her, and she's just not really into it. She every time he tries to talk to her, she kind of just wants to get out of the conversation as fast as possible. She doesn't really want to socialize with him. She doesn't even want to go to his basketball game. She doesn't care. She's like, get a ticket to somebody else. And she's not just being a bitch. Like she generally, she genuinely is depressed, right? And she's handling the death of her brother the best way she knows how. So when you finally get to episode four and she's accepted what's going to happen to her, like she knows exactly where it's going. And she tells everybody, like, look, it is what it is. Like, this is just what's going to happen to me. And don't read these letters until I'm done. Uh, and then you have like Robin and everybody, they're going to see Victor and they found out about the music aspect because when his son was killing everybody in the house, he recalled the voice of an angel. And that actually ended up being um, a song that was basically like his favorite song playing and it kind of was his link back to reality from that genjutsu yeah so they call dustin and they let him know like yo what they don't even show what they say to dustin but you kind of dustin gets the walkie talk he's running crazy like yo what's your favorite song it was it was great the way that they like alluded to that being like in a psychiatric facility and the uh the head of it saying you know Music reaches a broken mind sometimes when words. Yep. They, they did and, a like, really good has, job in the writing. Has a yeah, like that was all really, really well done. I because, did like, like they even showed because, some of the crazier people because Robin is the one that kind of put it together when they were walking back after yep. they, she like, saw them. Which I, my favorite pairing has been Nancy and Robin because That's they are two Nancy. of my her. they are two of my favorite characters. Nancy is like she was easily like my favorite character and then robin showed up and i was like oh she's also like one of my favorite characters and them together is like nancy drew and sherlock holmes and i was like well, what's the rest of you bitches gonna do nothing because they're gonna like out. nancy and robin are robin's probably the best thing that came out of season three right like i like yeah, robin a is. lot and nancy i like my favorite characters have always since season one have always been dustin and lucas I don't know why, but Dustin and Lucas are just my guys. I fucking, they fucking I love Dustin. Like Dustin the- is fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> They're my guys. Also, there's a lot of profanity in this season, just to throw that out there. I thought that was really cool that, you know, when you get to high school, cursing is just a part of the way you speak. 
That's true. And these kids are cursing so fucking much in this season. I was like, damn, they say shit and all they say they say everything a lot, like a lot. That's like shit, shit, shit. Like when he when he dives into the car to get the walkie-talkie and he runs back to, uh, with all the CDs or not CDs but cassette tapes. He runs back with all the cassette tapes. He's like, "What's your favorite song?" And he's like, "Shit, shit, 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 shit." And he's spreading them out. Yeah. They're trying to find it, bro. When you see her being cursed by Vecna, she runs to the actual mansion that's all deconstructed and floating in the air, and she's in the upside down. I was like, okay, so they're about to kill this girl, and I'm not ready for this because the, the deaths have been so brutal. That when they show her kind of sit like her legs crossed and she's still sitting down with the letter in front of her and everybody surrounding her, she hasn't quite risen up yet. And then she sees Vecna comes up and he's like, Don't you like it here, Max? And like, don't you like the way they look? And she's looking at the dead bodies of Chrissy and the guy. And she tries to run away. And Vecna shows that he has really good control over this area because he flicks a finger and one of the tentacles grabs her by the leg, and then another one grabs her by the fucking neck. And they restrain her up against one of those poles, and she starts getting choked really, really bad to the point where I was like, yo, they're really... And then she floats up in the air. I was like, they're really going to kill this girl. <laughs> and the boys are still struggling to find, like, the seat they get. They finally get it on top of her, and, they, like, they put the uh, the headphones on her head, and the song starts playing running up that hill. And they played it at other times in the season, like, before this very moment. But when they play it this time, and Vecna's trying to get her to give in and, and join, he says, join me, which means just like, let me kill you. Um, behind, you know, behind him and in her distance, you can see the portal open up to the real world and all her friends looking up at her floating in the air. And up until this point, again, I thought that she kind of resigned herself to dying, but the way she had been fighting Vecna was like, okay, she actually wants to live. I started to get really emotional when you realize that she doesn't want to die at all. And that she really did have the will to live. And as the song is playing, and they're like her friends are literally fighting for her and telling her, like, come back, like Max, Max, they're calling out to her. And she kind of rips a part of his neck off and he releases the restraint. She runs, she runs away. A part of me was still afraid that she wouldn't make it out. And that's what made that entire scene with that song pairing so hard to watch, but like so emotional at the same time. Now imagine all of that, all those feelings that you were feeling, except I've been a fan of Kate Bush since college. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> like, all of that plus that song, I was, like, I was like damn near bawling. The lyrics to that song was, are also really sad because she says about trading places, like, I would ask God. So do, you, you, so, do you know what that song is about? Like, what it's supposed to be about? So, I, when it came to Stranger Things, right, I tried to use the context of the words they used in Stranger Things. They don't play the whole song. They play like I would ask God to trade play if we could switch our places. And mm. I was like, damn, is she kind of trying to say like I would switch places with Billy? Like I'll let you live and I die instead. That's kind of how I took it in Stranger Things. I don't know what the actual song was referencing. That probably is like, that probably is that probably was like the mentality of that behind them choosing that song. Yeah, because it, it just but, had that feeling to me. Like I would I would get God to switch our places. I was like, those so, are some dark lyrics. So the actual name of the song is Make a Deal with God. That's what Kate Bush wanted it to be. But couldn't have that be the name of the song at the time because like then it wouldn't be played in like religious places. So That's true. running true. up that hill. So but the song is about like if she as a woman could trade her place with a man and oh. basically it's about better understanding of just, you know, all of us, you know. Okay. Um, so that's why she's saying, like, if we could trade places, there would be no problems because and it's cool because Billy died, her brother, 
and Max, you know, a man and a woman, and it still kind of has that. Like I would trade places with you so that you can yeah. live and I'll and I'll die in your place. The the lyrics to that just made me. I literally was about to cry. Like I was sitting there as she was running and all the debris was falling down in front of her, and Vector was watching her go. I felt yeah, like at yeah. some point during that shot, that shot is so amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought during that shot that at some point either a tentacle was going to grab her or something was going to fall in her way and impede her running. And then the portal will like close up or something. I was just, I was thinking worst case scenario. I really thought that I was then, Max died in episode. And four. then, you know, ready. they cut to black and like, if the episodes had been shorter, that would have been the end of the episode. And you'd have been like, no, like you would have been yes. at four o'clock in the morning. Like I got to watch another episode. <laughs> true. 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 But, if um, that episode ended like that, you would have had to start episode five. But mm-hmm. then, like, she wakes up, and then, like, Lucas grabs her, and, like, you could, like, they did they really did act the hell out of that scene, because, like, they were, like, terrified. They were freaking out. And, you know, like, you you would be, too, if, you know, you had all the context. For people who had. don't know. Um, but, uh, yep. yeah, I've, I've been a huge Kate Bush fan since, since college. If, if you, and, you know. Uh, running up that hill is like number one on iTunes. I was gonna say that for people who don't know, running up that hill is now the number one song in the world on iTunes. If Uh, you if you like the song, please go listen to the rest of the album. Hounds of Love is great. Kate Bush is a damn queen. Go listen to her music; she is amazing. Also, the first time I ever heard running up that hill, and I was I was addicted to it from this show. It's another show that takes place in the '80s, but it's Pose. Is this show Pose? It's basically about the gay ballroom scene in the '80s, like the pretty much the beginning of it. Um, and it, you know, it, it deals with like HIV AIDS and that whole epidemic and just a lot of things that gay and trans people go through at that time and trying to be like real and by real, I mean, assimilate into uh heteronormative culture. So the show was really good and it won a lot of like Emmys and golden globes and all types of shit. But even past that, the soundtrack for pose because it's the eighties it has running up that hill and a lot of other songs that I really like, like tiny dancer and all types of stuff. It is such a good soundtrack. And I always liked running up the hill from that show. So when I heard it in stranger things and when Max, they first played in like episode two or three, I was like, Oh shit, I know that song. I didn't know that they would use it again later on in such a meaningful way that just completely blew me away. But yeah. hearing that song used twice in like the last three or four years of my life and having it actually on my playlist, it's just been on my playlist for a long time now. I, I love it because I really like, I guess, sad, emotional music, even though I'm not necessarily sad and emotional at the time. Like, I just kind of like the mood of that music. There's just something about it. It just speaks so, to me. Have you listened to any of any of her, her other songs in that album? Not yet. I remember you told me to on Discord she, like yesterday. She's got a very like ethereal, almost kind of witchy sound to her. I'm a um, fan. I like Florence and the Machine, so I get that, that vibe. Florence and the Machine, I believe, said that Kate Bush is like one of their inspirations. I'm not surprised so. at all because now I can literally hear it. You can <laughs> I mean, hear she's it. inspired. So you you know you know the song by Maxwell, "Woman's Worth," yes, that everyone loves. Originally a Kate Bush song. And, oh wow! Um, that video. There's a part of that video where it like kind of gets to like the the bridge of the song, and it always like. The video specifically when I watch the video always makes me cry. It's a it's a very yeah, she I don't know. Something about her, she she is a witch, I guess, because she's a witch. Always, she's Wait, always witch, casting spells on me. Which which video makes you really sad? Um the, the the Kate Bush version of of uh of this woman's this woman. Okay. Birth. I have to check that out. Yeah, it's yeah. Um yeah, but, Kate Bush is amazing. I actually defended her this morning. I started this morning off with violence because I posted. Did someone say a bad word? About- hold, hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, they didn't say anything bad about Kate Bush. But what they did say was, so I posted the iTunes number one 
And then someone commented and was like, oh, you should listen to the cover done by Meg Myers. It sounds much better. It doesn't sound as old and dated. And I think she's a better vocalist than Kate Bush. And I immediately was like, okay. So let I said, before I respond to this, let me just go and play the cover by Meg Myers or whoever the fuck she is. And just, I listened to the first minute of it and I cut that shit off so quick and went right back to Facebook and started fast typing. I was like, yeah, I strongly disagree. Like the eighties version, the original OG version by Kate Bush is definitely the definitive and best version of it. Not every song needs to be modernized and have be updated with like the current drums and sound of 2022. Like I don't need every song. The song has a soul to it. Like running up that hill, the original version has a soul to it. And when I listen to the Meg Meyer version, like sure, the girl can sing and all that stuff, but it's just lacking the soul that Kate Bush had in the original. I just don't get why people do because you know, and like the comments of, of the, of Kate Bush's video of this woman's work. There are a lot of people like disparaging, like, it because they i guess they discovered that it's a that maxwell's uh song is a cover right. and they're like maxwell did it better blah 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 blah. and i'm like are y'all fucking morons obviously maxwell was so inspired by this song right that he was like yeah. i love this and i want to sing it like i, I uh, just know i just don't get when people do shit i like do that. hate that fucking culture of like the people comparing the co- like for example you just said Obviously, Maxwell loved that fucking song. That's why they covered it to begin with, number one. But number two, I also just hate when people are like, oh, this cover is so much better. Because I've run into that a bunch of times where somebody will send me a song like, this one's done better. And it is always, I guess not always, but to me, it's very often lacking, like, an aspect, like, the tone of the voice. Like, something something about it is always just, like, lacking. And it's like, it feels like, this song's great. They're a great vocalist. But... It doesn't feel like it's the same. There's something missing. Uh, when about I listen it. to the the cover, the Meg Meyer version of it, Meg Myers, whatever her name is, it just honestly felt like a cover. It felt just like a cover. It it just felt like somebody singing someone else's song who hadn't written the song, who hadn't really felt the song the same way. And that's what kind of just disconnected me from it because when I hear Kate Bush singing it, the sadness in me, and I guess the sadness that Stranger Things was able to convey, comes in the soul of the way she's singing it. It really does sound like someone at the end of their life or begging for suicide. Like, I'm going to be honest. I, I I was trying to like pussyfoot around saying that when uh, Anthony asked me earlier, what, what do I think it means? But to me, honestly, it really, the way they did it in Stranger Things made it seem like Max would want to trade places with her brother, which may be the case. Yeah. And, and there's a sadness in that, like losing, I don't know what I, I have one sibling. And if I lost my sibling, it would fucking shatter me. So I totally understand like how Max is, shattered and i haven't even lost my like my sibling is still alive and well so it was just i don't know there's like a lot of emotion that's captured in the way they use the song and the way kate bush sings it and i don't think that i just think that the cover captured the same way like i understand you like the song and you sung it because you're in love with it and you just want to pay homage to it and tribute but fans can be toxic it's not i have no problem with the girl who yeah. sang it meg myers or whatever i have no issue with her whatsoever it's the fans it's always it's the, the fans. fans who are like she did it better i just hate that whole thing where people cover a song and they're like oh this person sung the whole 21 album better than Adele. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, no, <laughs> no, she didn't. Another thing I really liked about this episode and uh, like part of the letter when she's like talking to Billy is there's a part and it's like such a real thing where she's talking about how they basically hated each other. Like they were siblings and like yeah. they didn't get along. They hated each other. But like, you know, maybe one day we became friends. And I liked it a lot because 
like I know like even with, with my sister, like through a lot of like our childhood, and I think this is true for a lot of siblings, but like we didn't get along very well. Yeah. And like, but there were, you know, there's moments where we do, but there's a lot, there was like a lot of button heads and like cause of like strife, right? That's normal for siblings. But then like, as you get older, think like so much different things change, perspective changes and you become, you know, a lot closer with people. Um, and so like had Billy live, they, they would have had that opportunity. Right. Whereas like, Instead, Max's feelings are like frozen in time where the the last time her brother was there, it feels like he hated her. But then at the same time, you know, he kind of loved her because he did do things for her yeah. even out of annoyance. But like they never got a chance to really grow past that. And like, you know, and, and appreciate even, each other more, even more importantly, after she reads the letter and then Vecna invades her mind and is like, you're not telling the whole truth. There's mm-hmm. a part of you that prob that like there's a part of you that was relieved that he died that yep. day, isn't there? And you know, like whenever and honestly, that's really what makes him a villain, like a villain villain, is he yeah. really like fucked with people psychologically. Because like the whole eating disorder thing with Chrissy, and then uh what was he the the jock's name? Patrick, I think. Like they they alluded to the fact that like his dad beat him. Yep. Um like that shit is like real trauma that the one kid you. killed somebody in a car and crash. Like that that shit that uh, is shit that like shakes his you like own father ordered the shelling of a fucking uh, inf- like infirmary or some type of place with children in it. So and- so for for Vecna to like use all of that as as ammo, I was just like, damn, he really is like a villain. Because like regardless if it's true or not that Max was relieved that Billy died because you know he was an asshole to her. And she in turn was an asshole to him. Like you do have, like I'm sure, like it's like that darkness and doubt that really like lives in you. That's like, is that true? Was I really? Yeah, he kind of plays on people's sense of guilt. I say that I'm sad. I say that I'm sad, and I'm expressing that I'm sad. But like, was was there a part of me that was really? And that really is like that, like inner like saboteur that that really also survivor's guilt. Yeah, that too. Like definitely survivors go. People who survive things because they were both in a situation where they could have died, and uh, her brother ended up being the one. And it's like you feel almost guilty that you got to live and they didn't. He Vecna just says some awful things. He really is a Yo, villain. I mean, he was foul. He was like he was foul as fuck. I think somebody described him as pure evil, like a spawn of Satan. I think Victor Creole, when he's talking about it, he said, "I could feel." You know, it's interesting because. I watched episode four again, as I said, it's the only episode I watched twice, but in episode four, when I went back and now I know that his son is actually Vecna, I, uh, I noticed that he said, I could feel the demonic presence was always close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So like knowing yep. that as his son now, as I'm watching the episode, it has new context, and everything. And I just, a lot of that part was just so cool to me. When you go back and watch it, me and Kenny talk about this on, on the podcast all the time, but watching a show more than once really makes it so much better because now you know what to look for and things make more sense. Scenes that kind of didn't mean anything or words that didn't really mean anything. They mean so much more when you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It, the, the, I love so much when something is giving more, given more context and, or when things are totally recontextualized. Like I said yeah. earlier, how season one and beyond is recontextualized with the idea that Vecna is the reason why the Demogorgon is trying to kill Eleven. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It completely changes... Because, you know, initially it's just kind of like, I guess they're just monsters being monsters. But when you give it a whole reason, you actually put the mastermind behind it. Some people might find it corny, but I actually really, really enjoyed it. And the way they all tied together, the the son, Vecna, and number one, and how it felt like these are 
it felt like these are different characters that may be connected somehow, but then it's just like they're all the same person. Uh, yeah, they realizing it, that they all run parallel. Yeah, like, it, yeah, they did in a way that felt really, really good, like just really genuine and odd. Like, I kudos, man. Like, yeah, they it kind of feels like they, well. they straightened the storyline back up. I feel like the storyline was season one was like you know going in the correct direction. And then seasons two and three kind of took this like a little bit of a detour, right? Like things kind of go left and right and it's just on a swirling path. Mm-hmm. And then season four just kind of put it back on track. I guess that's what I want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just I feel like the same it, re- it feels like it recentered Stranger Things and put it back on track. And now I have a character I really root for again. Like I, I love Max. I love Eleven. Like I'm rooting for these characters now, right? Like I'm rooting for Lucas. I'm rooting for him and Max to get back together. Like I'm rooting for all of these characters. And then at the same time, I'm also... I'm like, damn, this villain is actually very believable. And like somebody who actually I feel like is le- is a legitimate villain, like the embodiment yeah. of evil. Like he's just fucking evil. He's hella evil. But he feels on t- so he's like what would be described as like almost a force of nature villain. But at yes. the same time, yes, he has character. Like it's cool because he, he he does have character. He is grounded in like yeah, like he said, the, the reason why I'm doing it is like he said, these people have done bad things. My parents have done really bad things, things that you wouldn't even imagine. And then they start showing the cradle rocking back and forth with the fire in it and the baby screaming. Mm-hmm. And so he's not without his reasons. But when you say force of nature, I like that because he's kind of a creation of his environment. Like he mm-hmm. was listening to his dad's inner guilt. Right. Like he can he Vecna has this ability to literally sense people's emotions and also their memories. He can literally see your memories and fucking change them up and make them way more ridiculous than they actually were and use them against you. So because he's able to do that, he's able to go into your deepest, darkest areas and pull from it. And uh, it just kind of warps not only his perception of humans in general, but also the people who he's terrorizing. It makes them have to believe that like there are these awful people that are not able to atone for what they've done. Like his dad, who feels awful. Like his dad's not happy about what he did. He yeah. doesn't feel like a fucking hero. Yeah. And yeah. He killed children because he was wrong. Like he even says like, I was wrong and I, I live in torment because it's of something that. that he regrets, but like, yeah. Something that and I then, wonder, go ahead. Ant. Oh no, 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 no. Go ahead. I was going to say something. I wonder if it'll ever get explained. Maybe it won't. And if it doesn't, that's fine. But I would like for it to get explained in that. As we now know, all the psychic powers that the kids get, it all comes from one. Like, one is the source, and, like, he extracted it from his fucking bone marrow or something, uh, Dr. Brenner. So I wonder, like, what is the source of one's power? Did he have some connection to the Upside Down before even realizing it? Like, how exactly did he get those powers? Yeah, that would be nice, because we already got somewhat of an origin story. But, like, when we saw the origin story for him, he just had his powers to begin with. Yeah, and it's it's not really clear why he has those powers because now it's like you can't say that it's like something that just people have because now we know that all the people that have those powers they source it back to one. So it's like why, where exactly did this come from? What's this connection? Yeah, I I do want them to kind of like explore his grandfather clock moment because that was like a he broke reality kind of thing. Like to me, it felt like it was a. He was so just entrenched in his own philosophy that he broke reality himself. Yeah, yeah, and, like he's literally he, molding reality to be the way he wants it to be, and which and is often kind of often, upside down. And often characters that do that, they tend to justify their actions, their philosophy, their mindset 
by like equating themselves to something in nature as if they are doing something that is meant to happen, you know, because like spiders are predators that like spiders are beneficial predators to the ecosystem. Right. Right. Um, but you know, like and he likens uh, himself to a fucking black widow of all things. But like uh, the spider doesn't give a fuck if you kill all of humanity or not. The spider is busy being a spider. So like yep. you're yeah. using the spider to try and justify why you're doing what you're doing is just it's uh, it's what this kind of character tends to do. Because it's it's kind of like uh, Kira from Death Note too, right? Where like you end up with a supernatural power, and then so you believe that like you justify it like well uh, like, I am God. I was given this power. Like, yeah, like yeah. why would I be given this power if I wasn't correct? Yeah, exactly. and no one else can do stop, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it is interesting. I do, I do like because he's like, he's like, look, these spiders agree with me, and the spiders are like, I'm busy. Being a spider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, even Thanos, he says like, I'm the only one who can do it. Yep. Right. Like he, they, these people truly believe that it is their divine right to carry out the will, whatever will they think is coming from somewhere else. They believe that it is their right to carry it out and like kill all of these people. So it's interesting that you use like this, specifically the term force of nature, because that is what that is. And honestly, yeah. this is this is the closest that a D that like a villain in Stranger Things has felt to their D D counterpart, because that is what Vecna is in D D. He is Vecna is one of the overarching, like just long lasting villains that has survived through all now five editions of Dungeons and Dragons. I oh, Vecna is actually five. from Dungeons and Dragons for real? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Got a, he's got a bunch of monikers, like the Whispered One, so on and so forth. But like, for example, so, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Critical Role with uh, Matt Mercer, the like celebrity now D&D campaign. Um, like their first villain was Vecna. Like Vecna is a big, he's like a huge D and D villain. Um, but he's all, but he's almost always like secretly a villain. Like he doesn't like show up in like the which first session is, and is like, which is what happened here in Stranger Things, right? Like he's he was secretly the villain, and and in season four is when you you know you see him, and yeah. and like so like any any kind of background on on Vecna, he's basically. Uh, King Lich is probably the easiest way to think about it. He was started. He he was human. He was a necromancer, and then he died. And then he refused to die. And he is constantly refusing to die, and is always trying to be brought back. And is constantly having minions try to bring him back so that he can just have dominion over any that are in his presence because he believes. He believes that he is that great of a creature, that cre- that great of a being. So, like, I was like, like by the end, I was like, yeah, that's some shit Vecna would do. <laughs> like, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> last thing I want to say before we start to wrap this up is I really like how they showed one's transformation. Uh, so when you first see one in L's dreams or memories, right? Uh, they show him, and he keeps doing this repeated scene that she tries to escape from, and she can't. She keeps trying to run from it. And he seems like this really weird, but almost like benevolent looking guy. He doesn't look particularly evil or anything like that. He doesn't look deranged at all. The way he's presented when you first see him and honestly, up until the point where he becomes like Vecna, uh, he just has a a really nice appearance. Like he just looks like a regular guy for the most part. Welcoming. Yeah. Yes. Very welcoming and helpful, right? Like he's helping her throughout this entire thing. And at, after he snaps and she finds him killing the, the kids and stuff, and he's like, I told you to wait in the room. 
Um, when he turns around and you see his hair now is like pushed back, like on some eyes and shit. I was just about to say he did the eyes. He did do the eyes. You notice that his hair. Yeah, yeah, his hair slicked back. Everything about him changed. Like his hair has changed. His eyes are like bulging and they're like bloodshot. Mm -hmm. He has like the, the bloodshot eyes. His hair slicked back. His forehead's bursting with veins. He genuinely looks crazy now. It's the same exact actor. Just recontextualized to look like a villain now, and you believe it as soon as you see it, it's like holy shit, this guy looks off his fucking rocker. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I like lo- I like things like that where you take someone who you don't really see it for them being the villain, and then they you see how Hollywood magic can really turn you into a villain. So and, I, I just thought that was cool. And see, that's why when I was like going through the sequence at work and I was looking at all the shots, I was kind of like. Okay, I know that I want to work. I was like, I want this one and this one and this one. But specifically, the one shot that I really, really wanted to work on is the shot where Elle looks over to to like the dead kids and she sees the twins laying on the ground. And it's really like the first time that you really kind of understand the gravity of what he's done and what's been happening throughout the season when you see the two dead kids on the ground lying next to each other. And I knew, like, when I saw it, I was like, I want that shot. Because I was like, I just have this feeling that that shot is, like, important. Yeah. And also was a really cool shot to work on. But, um, but yeah, like, having looked at the whole sequence, I had seen – I pretty much had only seen him with his hair slicked back. So when I saw him not like that when he first introduced <laughs> him, I was like – Oh, okay. <laughs> like, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I know where this is going. Yeah, you know where it's going. It's so right. interesting. Just like working on it and stuff is so interesting. It's funny how you said you were working on like a spinoff of power and like bullet holes and muzzle flashes, and then you go to working on dead kids with their eyes gouged out. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's all it's so brutal. <laughs> it is all violence. Damn. All right, well, before we get out of here, I want to give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon. So if you guys don't know, the I Am Nerd Podcast is a Patreon. You can find us on there by just typing I Am Nerd Podcast or probably I Am Nerd. It'll come up. Uh, We have exclusive content on there that drops. uh, Once a month, we have an exclusive episode that you can only get on Patreon. So that's something that you have access to. We also have I Am Nerd Podcast Discord. You can get access to that even in our lowest tier, which is only three bucks. Uh, So check that out if you want to support the podcast. We really appreciate it. We already have 40 plus people on the podcast uh, Patreon. So, you know, look into that. I'm their podcast on patreon.com. We have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garrett, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Game Prigoshi, Alex Flamer, Henri Reynolds, CJ, Dad one Saul at Dabbers Gaming Cafe, Dan Vrabel, Dennis Milburn, Joseph Marcello, Scott Page, Red Vines, First to Home, Dalus Fernandez, Tom Wadabiki, S. Akuma, Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Demetrius Firdis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, KJ, Doc and Ziggy, Biz, Roz Weiss, Luke Feeney, and Nick Stenko. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the Omner Podcast Patreon. We really appreciate it. Hey, and as I always say, do the things that make you happy. What were you saying, Anthony? I have a question. What are you going to do when you get to like a thousand patrons? Are you going well, to still read all the names? Well, so- job. <laughs> first of all quit your job second of all uh i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll probably have a pre-recorded reading yeah there has to be so we talked about this uh, uh randomly like two weeks ago i said it's gonna get to a point where i can't possibly read off all like even when it gets to 100 <laughs> like 100 the, reading yeah. off 40 honestly is a lot reading off 100 like eventually we will get there is also going to be i feel like too much so there. There's going to have to be, like Kenny said, probably a pre-record or something of it. I don't know. We're going to cross that bridge it, when we get to it. It'll probably have to be a pre-recorded thing, and then it'll get updated like 
once a month. Like, so, you know, if you do it on, on January 1st, and you have all the names there, right? Yeah. Now, that, by the time February comes, there might be new patrons, but they're not going to be added to this recording until you know a month or two later. Yeah, you know no, that I mean? makes sense. Yeah, because it it's forty people is already quite the many. Because it, <laughs> yeah. it is a lot to read. But so uh, you're going to hear your name in, in the next thirty days, guaranteed. Real quick before we go, I want to say one last shot at the Lucas. I'm so happy he was a real one and didn't turn on his homies. Yo, um, for a moment, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. and I was like, "Lucas, come on, don't go, the, don't be a mic." I was so happy he was a real one. I was like, "Thank fucking god, he was a real one." Yeah. And then, secondly, this was like in the trailer, and I was shocked because I guess it's going to be in volume two. But in the trailer, there was a part where it showed Eddie playing his guitar in the upside down, and so like I was waiting to see that scene because it looked cool as shit. Well, and I mean, because he's never very obviously a bard, so you know. It never happened. So I guess it's going to be in volume two, but I was waiting to see my man Eddie play the guitar in the upside down. I didn't get it. Yeah, they definitely did. He did touch on it. He touched on his guitar. I can't wait to see that, man. He's cool. He's a cool ass character, unlike yeah. our guy. I dude, there was a part of me that thought that they would cut his hair because he was he was on a run. And I was like, mm. I know where I know where this is going. They're definitely gonna have him like cut his hair, and that'll be his way of, you know, kind of concealing who he is. Cause if you cut hair as long as his, he was just like a completely different person. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that part of the four of them in the upside down when when Steve was metal as fucking ripped that thing yeah, apart. Yeah. I was like, damn, that was metal as shit. And then Eddie was like, dude, that was pretty metal. And I was that like, was pretty what? metal. <laughs> that was pretty metal. There was some cool shit. Another part that like legit had my heart fucking stop was when they're all going through the rope to go back to the world real world. And then when Nancy falls through and then falls in the pool, I was like, Yo, oh my I was God. like if they really killed Nancy like this, because again, I didn't expect it to happen when she did not go where she was supposed to go. I said, Oh God, <laughs> go he, I, I was like, he's about to claim another body right now. Like, are you fucking serious, man? You know what I thought was going to happen? I thought they would get to the last person and I thought that he would confront the last person. Right. So whoever, whoever stayed last, I was like, okay. Nah, he knew he was like, he saw Nancy's like, this bitch is a problem. Because mm-hmm. yeah, Nancy's Nancy's she's the ranger and she's, yeah, she's got smart as she's fuck. got fucking aim and oh. she's intelligent. Anyway, we'll have to talk about all this shit on 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 yeah because it's going to be a part two. Yeah, yeah, we're going to bring this right back. Is we're all going to watch both those episodes July first whenever they come out. We're going to watch them immediately in the next podcast right after. It will be Stranger Things season four part two. Anthony will be back for that and uh, yeah, we'll yeah. discuss the conclusion. Oh, hey, of this I season. also also worked on that. Season two, look at that. Also, season five is the last season of Stranger Things, so the next season will be the last. Uh, and oh, I so wait, the there's show... another season confirmed, and it, yeah, this I thought this was going to be the last one too, Kenny, but apparently, season five is the last season, so I'm guessing mm. Vecna might not die at the end of the season, or if he does, he really will just be considered a five star general and, and then, something, something bigger than him, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I do like, so I thought this was going to be the last season, me too. Hearing that there's another season, but hearing that it, the next season is the last season, I'm I'm happy with. It's like, all right, cool, because they have a direct, they know where they're going. Whereas like season two and season three felt like season one was successful, so we kept the show going. Yes, but season exactly four like. feels like okay, like like we said earlier, we're gonna realign our vision. Yeah, so- I also think that season five is probably needed to just give more context and backstory to the upside down because you said this earlier but i really do want to know the origin of the upside down there are people who speculate like anthony said that did l create the upside down like did she actually when she first sent vecna 
titty upside down is she the reason why it's the way it is or like technically vecna is the way it's the reason why it's the way it is like why is it frozen three years in the past which is the exact date that uh will goes missing yeah right? like that's that's when will i think it's like november 6 1983 that's when will goes missing in the first season so why is it frozen on that specific date and where, where did the upside down originate from? Like, why is it just Hawkins? It seems like, you know, just give us some something about that, that verse. Yep, I just want to know yep. more about it before we say, okay, Stranger Things, the book is closed on it. You know, give us, give us some, some reasoning to some of the stuff that has happened. Yeah. Before, before this season, if I heard there's going to be season five, I would have been like, I would have <laughs> rolled my eyes, but seeing this season and knowing that like, they're doing one more season, but they're, it's going to be the final season. Like I'm excited for it. I and that is yeah. leading up to something, and then you know, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Definitely can't say that the the duffers don't care because look, let me tell you, as as a client, like they were very very particular. They were there was stuff like <laughs> your like what you're adding in the defocus doesn't match the defocus that's happening in the camera specifically. Like it was like oh, shit. they were they were catching shit that like we missed. We were like, oh, okay. Like that's really like, careful careful these clients. <laughs> so no, that's, that's good. Well, it's good. Thank you again, Anthony, for joining us for the podcast. Of we, course. We appreciate having you on. All right, guys. Well, if you want to write into the I'm There podcast, also, uh, just to have us read out your letter on the show, um, you can write into I'm There podcast at gmail.com. We do do listener letters on this show. So if that's something that interests you, if you want to, it doesn't even have to be about Stranger Things. It could be about literally anything that we've talked about or something that you just want to talk about that's nerd related. Uh, write yep. into I'm There podcast at gmail.com and we may read it aloud on the show. All right, let's get out of here. Have a good night, day, week, life.